Blog Talk Radio. edition of BAMS Radio. We heard that song about eight or nine times this past Saturday as Alabama spanked Florida 42-21 to in a game that was not that close. I'm Kerry Clark with BamaMag.com and Bama Magazine. Our uh, guest, our, not our guest, our co-host is Ruby Armand <laughs> from uh, AlabamaIntel.com. He used to be a guest, now he's permanent. And our producer back in the studio, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And all three of us covered uh, and were in attendance at the game this past Saturday. Um, and, again, Drew, 49-21 uh, to 21, uh, now with adjusted totals. When they corrected the yardage charge on the fumble, now 672 yards of total offense to 200. Uh, you and I rode to the game together, and, and you, you said coming home this was more of a 56-10 to 10 game, not a 49-21. I could not agree more. Uh, Drew, tell us what jumped off the page at you Saturday. Well, first of all, Blake Sims. Uh, you know, remember we were supposed to be limited offensively and not be not not be able to stretch the field. Well, first play of the football game, I think Kenyon Drake and Lane Kiffin, along with Blake Sims, eased those concerns. Uh, Eighty-seven yards to the house reminded me a lot of Brody Crowell to Tyrone Pro throw to set the tone, uh, routing the Gators in two thousand five. And uh, that's basically what happened. Uh, if Alabama hadn't been their own worst enemy, Kerry, I agree 100%. Instead of a 42-21 ball game, you're going to have a 56-10 uh, to 10 ball game. I felt like the defense took some steps forward, which is very encouraging. Uh, Tony Brown, in his first start, which we broke at Alabama Intel, we broke that information. I uh, thought he played very well for a true freshman. Uh, Maurice Smith at the star position did very well, played physical and fast. And uh, and then Jaron Reed, I thought he was the real story defensively at the nose, nose position. They couldn't handle him. He did a great job clogging up the Gator running game with uh, Jeff Driscoll and Matt Jones and Kelvin Taylor. So I just felt like it was a really overall good performance. They need to clean up the penalties and the turnovers, but offensively you just you feel like right now something special is going on. You mentioned Blake Sims, 23 out of 33, one interception, four touchdowns, 445 yards. After they corrected the uh, rushing yardage, they got him up to 39 yards rushing. So he produced a school record 484 yards of total offense. Now, Scott Hunter threw for 484 yards uh, in a loss to Auburn back in 1969. However, uh, via the sack, Scott lost 27 yards rushing that game. So the total offense number now belongs to Blake Sims, a guy that, Really, nobody on this show honestly thought was going to start. Not only yes. has he started, uh, he has excelled, and he has done as William Redfish Bar- Barger put it so eloquently during the speaking engagement a few weeks ago in Huntsville. He has basically said, uh, "Shove it up, you knew, you know what, Bammers? Uh, I'm your quarterback, and uh, and I'm kicking butt." And he, you know, he hasn't done it because he doesn't talk that way, but yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, and I think of guys that waited their turn, like D.J. Shockley at Georgia and a few others, but 
I mean, thus far, Blake Sims is, it's not just an Alabama thing. It's not just an FCC thing. Drew, this is one of the most compelling stories in America. Oh, it really is. And it'll start getting more and more buzz if, you know, he can continue to perform and Alabama continues to win. I mean, that was, to be honest, Kerry, watching that football game, you know, from start to finish, getting to leave with three minutes on the clock before Alec Morris and Tyron Jones and those guys came in, it was the most fun I've had at a football game in a long time, just knowing, you know, and being so happy for Blake and how he's played and the way he performed in that football game. The only disappointment for me was just he didn't set the all-time school record for yards thrown in a game and maybe break the 500-yard barrier. I mean, it would have been unbelievable uh, if that, that, for that to happen in his first SEC start. But he certainly uh, – he can prove to the world he can play in the SEC carry and that he can throw the football deep. And he made a lot of not just the deep ball, so a lot of the he attacked the middle of the field and most everything was on point. His accuracy was really really good, except for three or four throws. And uh, and he was poised. He uh, you know he was only sacked one time, but that was more on him. He held onto the ball a little bit too long, and uh, he used his feet well, used his mobility. Got him a little dinged up with the, uh, you know, scared everybody when he had a bruised AC joint. But he hasn't thrown so far this week in practice, but he should be okay for Ole Miss. Right, and uh, a couple other guys. Uh, DeAndre White's in a boot right now. Uh, Tyron Jones is not doing much, although, you know, only the Alabama do they report that kind of thing for the fourth team running back. He's not doing too much. Uh, good news, uh, Jarek Williams and Eddie Jackson both uh, seemingly healthy this week. Absolutely, and it'll, those will, that'll be a huge uh, boon for Alabama going on the road at Ole Miss. Still think Eddie Jackson's the best corner on the team. Uh, very experienced guy in Jarek Williams, but now you're confident with that you can even see a guy like Maurice Smith play in the dime and play well. No disrespect for, you know, Jabril Washington, but he's a fourth-year junior, hadn't played a lot, and to, and to give him credit, he had a blown coverage, which I felt, felt was the only real mistake besides Geno Smith's pass interference where he should have just turned and played the ball. But, again, Jabril bounced back, Kerry, and got a big interception in the first half. My understanding is that the quarterback coach, who's also the head coach, has uh, really been emphasizing turning and playing the ball in practice this week. I, I just hope it carries over to the game. I guess we'll find out a week from Saturday in Oxford. It's, uh, it's just one of the most bizarre things. And for years, under several different defensive coaches, Alabama fans have been screaming for kids to turn around. I don't know, Drew. I mean, I played in high school. When the ball was in the air, we turned around. We were taught to read their eyes and then turn around and get the ball. But I don't know what goes to our guys' minds when the ball is in the air sometimes. I really don't. Well, you know, Gino, watching Geno's play, Kerry, it looked to me like he just sort of panicked. He was trailing. I think if he had turned his head, he I think he, he was able to – close and if he had just turned his head right away he could have made a play on the ball he panicked kind of ran the guy over and drew the flag but again I thought Gino was still solid Uh, I'll I'll give him credit Uh, Thomas will probably remember this play as well but he did try try to tackle Matt Jones in the hole one time I'll give him credit for the effort he lost but at the very same time the effort was there and uh, I think he'll get better with the more reps he gets on the next play, Reggie Ragland, you know, made the stop in the hole. But overall, I thought the tackling was better, Kerry. I thought the effort was better defensively, and I felt like they played with with more tenacity and energy. I was happy to see Reggie bring some uh, pride to your 2-5-6. And, Drew, speaking of the 2-5-6, we've got our first caller of the night. 
on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. She reaches by calling 714-510-3707, just like you can. Jocelyn from the Shoals area. What's going on? You're live on BAMS Radio. Hey, everybody. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. How's everyone doing? Doing really well. Really happy with the win. Full, fat, and happy. How you doing? <laughs> I I just wanted to call in and give my opinion on the um, Alabama and Florida game. Sure. And my opinion is I was nervous as usual, and I didn't agree with some of the plays, some of the calls that was being made by some of the umpires. Like I thought that um, Alabama got more penalties than Florida, and Florida didn't hardly get any. Yeah. I thought that there was some. I thought that there were some calls that that should have been made, but shouldn't made, and everything. But other than that, you know, we, I think that we did struggle at first, you know, in the first quarter. But after that, we got our heads together and we played a um, great ball game. I think that they did a they did a great job, and I'm looking forward to them playing against Ole Miss on October fourth. I agree. Uh, you know, a lot of the problems Saturday were self-inflicted. Uh, Tennessee scored 21 points, and every one of them came after Alabama turned the ball over. I, like Drew said, I don't know how much they'd have scored, if any, uh, if Alabama hadn't been so charitable. And Alabama's working real hard to get that. I will say this, though, Jocelyn, on one of the penalties, the one they called on Amari Cooper, they took the touchdown away from him because he'd gone out of bounds and came back in. Uh, he, uh, um, he admitted uh, afterwards that he did do it. Well, and I I agree with Kerry there. You know, it was a good win over the Gators, Jocelyn. Uh, and I and I'm not going to call him out too much, but I'm just going to say this one time. And 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 today in practice, uh, and I hope this is permanent, but it may just be working in the off week. But Dominic Jackson took first team reps at left guard. Excuse me, at right guard. But number 72 has been a, a source of uh, consternation uh, with penalties and mental errors. Uh, he, he he once again uh, and missed assignments. He once again did not play very well, in my opinion, on Saturday. That could be the one tweak you could see in the lineup. I feel like right now he's the only weak link offensively. To be quite honest, I think the offense is close to hitting on all cylinders, uh, and they still haven't even come close to showing their hand yet, which is the most exciting part. And as I told my colleague William Redfish Barger, this reminds me of 1989, where this this offense may not be able to be stopped. Now this group is much more physically talented than that one. But the scheme was so good that Alabama scored on everybody, and I still think that's the case. If Alabama can cut out the penalties, the administrative penalties, and the turnovers, I think they're going to be able to score on anybody they play. Right. And, Carrie, I know that I was going to tell you also that I know that um, Daniel and I was supposed to come see you all, but we had gotten there late, so I just wanted to apologize for that. It's okay. I, I always have to leave about an hour before the game or sometimes an hour and a half before the game, so I never really get a chance to see everybody at the tent like I want to. But I, I know the intention was there. Listen, we, we suffered through some traffic as well. My normal 50-minute drive took uh, 90 minutes. But yes. uh, to clarify what I said earlier, Jocelyn, on Amari Cooper, he admitted on the touchdown they took away from him that he did push the guy before the ball was thrown to him to get open. He admitted it. He was manned up. and just So the penalty on that – now the other ten penalties might some of them might have been bogus, but that one was legit because Amari just admitted it in the press room after the game. Oh yeah, he said yeah, I right. pushed off. 
he admitted. He's like, yeah, I did it. I can't lie. I did it. <laughs> so, hey, the rep had to call that. You can't push a guy that's guarding you. I mean, <laughs> in any sport, really. But, uh, hey, Amari Cooper, really, we didn't touch too much on him, Drew. Uh, and Jocelyn Amari had yet another great game, and now he's being talked about for the Heisman Trophy. And I think at the very least that he'll be one of the five that gets invited to New York. No doubt. I mean, he, if, as long as he stays healthy, it's over for the Bolitnikoff Award. He's the best receiver in America, uh, Kerry. He's uh-huh. off the best start I've ever seen. Uh, he, he was uncoverable Saturday, and the main reason is is the creativity of the play caller that Lane Kiffin is, moving him around to the slot, moving him to the X and the Y. And uh, he just he, he he's a or Z excuse me the X and the Z and he's just a guy that uh, is, is got great hands great speed but the key is Kerry and you watched on the replays uh, he's just such a great route runner and if you can sell routes it doesn't really matter if they try to cover you you can still get open and uh, he was able to get separation all game long uh, and then just made play after play after play and it's just special to watch and I consider myself privileged. Was not fortunate enough to see Ozzie Newsom and, you know, and Ray Perkins play. It was before my time, but I've seen three of the greatest. I've seen, you know, David Palmer in the, in the early 90s and Julio uh, in the late 2000s, and now, uh, and now that's, that's preceded Amari and now Amari. I mean, those are the three special guys, no doubt. Uh, Jocelyn, you got anything else for us tonight? Uh, that's it. Okay. Well, we appreciate you calling. We really do appreciate it. And roll tide. And uh, okay. we're going to move on now. Well, Todd, we're going to move on now to our next caller on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. And that would be a man that I'm going to bring up a play that was before Drew's time and before Thomas's time. But Big C and I remember it well. And before I bring him on, I'm going to tell a backstory. Big C, you know that I go to church with several football players, former players, guys like Kermit Kendrick and David Smith, but also Gary Rutledge, who was in the choir with my life and I walked out into the courtyard between Sunday school and church Sunday, Big C, and I said, Gary, I thought about you yesterday because uh, we opened the game with an 80-something yard town just like you did in 1973 against Tennessee. And Gary, Big C, reminded me of something, that the score of that game, which he opened up by faking the wishbone and throwing 80 yards to Wayne Wheeler, the score of that victory over Tennessee, Big C, was also 42-21. to it sure was. Can you Roll hear me? Tide. Big C from Greenville, we hear you live, man. What's going on? All right. you, and he is right on that, and I went to that game. Can I tell you a real quick story about that game? Oh, yeah. I was in the 10th grade, and uh, as you know, I played football in high school, and we were playing a Saturday night game. And I wanted to go in, in, in near Atmore, Alabama, and I wanted to go to that game so bad. So what happened was that that week of that game, the World Series was going on. So what I was doing, one night I was pulling for Oakland. The next night I was pulling for New York. And whoever won the night before, I was pulling for the other team. And the reason why, it would drag the series out to California. And so with them being out on the West Coast, the game, the baseball game started about 3 o'clock our time. So that... Alabama game had to start about 11 or 11.30. That was a early kickoff. And we got out of the stadium and went after uh, Paul Spivey scored the last touchdown. My daddy and I got out of the stadium and got in the car and got back in Greenville to catch the bus to go down to Atmore. That's awesome. <laughs> and Big it was C, pretty uh, wild. For, go- those, 
That is. That's crazy. Do they even have I-65 then? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it did, but it wasn't all the way through Birmingham, but we found a way to get uh, – but we went down Lakeshore Drive and finally hit it somewhere and uh, got on got on out of town. We beat the crowd. Awesome. Good story, Big C. Good story. Uh-huh. But, he, wow. but um, now, yeah, Alabama's performance, like y'all were saying, the pen, they can get the penalties down to a minimum and the uh, turnovers down to a minimum. Uh, they could average less than um, they one or let's say two turnovers or less a game from now on out, and like maybe five penalties or less a game. How 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 brutal could this be from uh, uh, the other team? Well, well, Big C, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, he, they've got so many weapons. I mean, in every level, uh, they finally got OJ Howard involved, as we predicted on this show. Uh, he had multiple catches last week. Uh, Nudy Fowler is a, is a is a red zone guy. They have to account for. Then you've got you know Amari Cooper, who's been unstoppable. The Andrew White, six more catches after coming back. Um, you know, really didn't have to go to Christian Jones too much, but he's another weapon. Um, and then Chris Black. I mean, it's just the most balanced offense I've seen. And then you've got the three-headed monster at running back. You saw what Kenyon Drake did and his limited touches. Derrick Henry wore him down. T.J. Yeldon wasn't completely healthy with the hamstring, but he grinded out yards. Uh, so I just think really right now, as long as Blake Sims stays healthy and the O-line, if they can get you know the right guard situation fixed, uh, I think that could cut down on your penalties and even help with the turnover situation too. But, again, I think right now it can be as good an offense as Alabama's ever had. Well, I was thinking this summer, the, like you said, the, from a skill position standpoint, they're loaded out the yang-yang. If the offensive line and the quarterback mm-hmm. had to come through, and if they did, like you're saying, and it's starting to look like it's going to do that, um, it could be brutal. And then the, I was happy with the way how the DBs played. I don't know how good the Florida receivers were. And I know the quarterback for Florida's arm is not the greatest in the world, but they had to gain some confidence in the way they played Saturday, though. Yeah, I think they did, Big C, and I think Kerry will agree with me here. The, the the thing that was most encouraging for me is you saw Rashawn Evans make an appearance in the first quarter on the touchdown pass, on the blown coverage, but he was rushing the passer at that time. And then you saw Tim Williams in in the first half as well. So they're trying to get those speed rushers in there to put more pressure. I thought Jaron Reed, as we've already said, was tremendous. I thought we saw a little bit better, you know, production out of D.J. Petway. You think you know John Allen's going to play well, but I just felt like overall the front seven played much better. Uh, Reggie Ragland took some steps forward. DePriest was very solid. And then I thought Denzel Duvall, I thought he played his best football game of the year as well. How much did Reuben Foster get to play the other day? He play, He was one of the players of the week on special teams, did a good job there, Big C, but did not play defensively until later in the, the latter parts of the second half. Okay. No, he didn't get me. He didn't get any defensive snaps while the game was on the line. But to his credit, his kickoff coverage got into one of the player of the weeks. Yep. Well, that's good. Well, um, I was going to let everybody know there's a new – uh, an internet TV show at jockjive.com. Also, you can watch it on YouTube called Talking Bama with Big C. And we taped the Ole Miss show, but we won't put it on until next week because, as you know, Alabama has an open date this week, uh, which I think is going to be great. Now, uh, but like us on Facebook, but I, I want to ask you another quick question. Either one of y'all, 
What's the status of uh, Mike Sims' arm? Right now he's resting it because he landed on it kind of awkwardly after a scramble. Uh, the media is only getting about five minutes a day this week to look at practice. And in those five-minute periods, he's doing dropbacks and handoffs and all that, but he's not doing any passes. Uh, so, basically, uh, they're not letting him throw the ball, at least while the media is watching. Now, we don't know what happens after the media leaves. Uh, but right now, we're being told he's on arm rest, and they're going to kind of gradually – they're practicing tomorrow, and I think after tomorrow they might be off for Monday. But uh, – they're, you know, basically he's resting it to be safe, and then they'll kind of work it back in when they get start getting ready for Ole Miss week. Uh, but it's not horrible, but it's uh, it's a situation of better safe than sorry is the way I put it, Big C. Oh yeah. Well, um, I just want to mention uh, talking about with Big C at jockjive.com. Like us on Facebook and Kerry. I'm looking forward to talking to you at seven ten Friday morning on the show. Is that a good time, or do I need to later? It, it's definitely the uh, highlight of the week on that show, I'd, I'd say, for the people of Greenville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's never time. Oh, me. Right. Yeah, that's a good time. And uh, I tell you what, Big C, we're uh, we're working on getting Blake Barnett, the quarterback commitment from California, and his mother on the phone here in just a couple of minutes. But uh, okay. we're going to leave it a mystery until next week who your guest is for the old Miss talking band with Big C. Don't tell them tonight. Call back no, next no, no, week no. Uh, around eight thirty, and then you could tell them who you guess is going to be. I'll do that. We'll, we'll tease them like you said. Like I did That's on the score last week. That's how we All do right. it, man. But hey, I appreciate you calling, Big C. Roll Tide. Thank, thank you, Big Roll C. Tide. Always, thank man. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Well, it, uh, we're going to transition now uh, into some other guests. Uh, I don't think that they're both ready yet. But Not while we're while we work on that, uh, Drew, uh, why don't you give us a little preview of this next combination of guests that you got locked in for us tonight? Well, absolutely. You know, so it's going to be an honor to be joined uh, by uh, once again for the second time by Blake Barnett. Uh, he, he first joined us on June the 18th. That night, he committed with his father, Lance Barnett, and we had an epic audience that night. It was a great interview. Got a lot of positive, you know, gratification out of that. And now we're going to be joined by Blake and his mother, uh, Gina Harris, who uh, I have gotten to know very well over the last several months and who accompanied Blake on the trip to Tuscaloosa this past weekend. His first game at at Bryant-Denny Stadium, got a chance to see the offense up close and personal and uh, talked to a lot of the commitments in his class and in the the 2016 class as far as prospects and had just had a great time at Alabama. And uh, they had a very long – uh, Friday and Saturday carry. You know, he played against uh, uh, Silverado High School uh, at home, uh, had a home football game, won that game 30-20 to 20, uh, to go to 3-1 and one on the season. Then they basically, as soon as the game was over, he and Gina, you know, were able to beeline to LAX and fly to Tuscaloosa on a red eye. And so they were, they had a long Friday and Saturday, but they had a lot of fun, got a win on Friday, and then he sees his future college destination roll up the Gators. So it was, you know, a big time for them. And they stayed until Monday morning and flew back uh, to California. So it was a great first uh, or second weekend in Tuscaloosa as they had a great time, as you know, this past summer. That's right. And uh, Silverado, uh, not just a good Western movie, also a California high school. Uh, I want to uh, talk a little bit more about our exclusive barbecue sponsor here on BAMS Radio. 
Uh, and that's Big Head's Barbecue, which is run by my this weekend. Friend. Great guy. Yes, and uh, as you can see in person, uh, the name Big Head is much more than just a nickname. Uh, <laughs> he is one of those guys, and we all know somebody like this, that the high school coach had to special order a helmet for. Absolutely. Uh, he has got a gigantic head, but he's also got a big heart. He's been kind enough for several years now. This is at least the third year that he has sponsored the barbecue at the Bams Radio tent located in front of Moore Hall. We had some neighbors this past weekend, and a couple of guys named Feinbaum and Tebow and Tessitore and that crew, Spears. But attendance um, at all, we had a great crowd, as always, at the Bams Radio tent. And it was catered by Big Head Barbecue, where the motto is, go big or go home. Now, how do you find out about it? You go to BigHeadsBBQ.net, uh, and you can download the catering menu there. You can email Chuck himself at BigHeadChuck at gmail.com. You can give him a holler on himself if you want to inquire about pricing by calling 251-379-0094. You can like him on Twitter at, at BigHeadsBBQ. You can also check him out on Facebook as well. That's Big Heads Barbecue, based out of Stapleton, Alabama, down in Baldwin County, the largest and most beautiful county in the state of Alabama, in my opinion. But uh, they do catering, private parties, events. And we were fortunate last week in that uh, Chuck decided to bring his special dish, which is called the Triple Threat. And uh, I know you all heard me talk about this last year, but it's been about 10 or 11 months since I mentioned it. So the Triple Threat is comprised of a piece of very tender pork, with a small piece of sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon, and then you take Chuck's uh, homemade sauce and drizzle it on top of it, and you cut into it, and it's just it's heaven on earth, bro, man. I mean, <laughs> and, and he doesn't just do that. He does pork, he does chicken, he does ribs, briskets, side items. Uh, again, that's uh, bigheadsbbq.net and uh, bigheadchuck at gmail.com. Check him out. Uh, he's got a great menu. He's got great food. Uh, if you're within an hour and a half, two hours of Stapleton, Alabama, the man will cater for you. Uh, eight to eighty, he don't care the size of the group. Uh, and he is also the exclusive sponsor, not only of the barbecue at the tent, but of the hotline that people can call us on, which is seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. It will forevermore be known as Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. So, uh, y'all, I appreciate y'all, the generosity. Oh, and he's he's awesome. He's awesome. Great guy. Uh, you know, Christian brother. I uh, hope he's listening. And he's been real busy because of the success of his business and, and his faithfulness to his church on Wednesday night and his family. And he's actually got another full-time job that he does. And uh, But you know what? One of these nights we're going to get him to call in. He called in a couple times last year and tell us a little bit more about the backstory behind Big Head's Barbecue. So there you go. You know all about it. You know where to get your barbecue in South Alabama. And if you're uh, – if you have time, you know, during your tailgating uh, pre- or post-game situation, come by Moore Hall to the BAMS radio tent. You can't you can't miss it because it's one of those tents where you flip the button and it gets blown up. Uh, and, that, and that tent is sponsored by our friend Billy from uh, the great town of Jackson, Alabama. And, Drew, I know you know Billy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sunbelt Tent is what I was trying to Sunbelt, he's tent man. He's a, he's a member of my website at Alabama Intel, just a great guy and, uh, you know, I, I was I wanted to try to meet him this weekend, but I uh, wasn't able to do so. But I hope to meet him in person soon in the future. And uh, well, Kerry, we're honored right now. We got we got our guests queued up and ready to go. First, I'm going to introduce uh, to our BAMS radio audience uh, Gina Harris, the lovely mother of Blake Barnett, as she is now 
been a world traveler in the last few months. She's uh, done a lot of been on a plane quite a bit, and she was on a plane I think earlier today. But Gina, welcome to Bams Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. And also, we want to welcome her son, who is well known to the Tide Nation now. Bye for everybody, Blake Barnett making his second appearance on BAMS Radio. We really appreciate it. Fresh off the practice field and uh, getting ready for a big game against Hart High School this Friday night. Blake, welcome back, man. Thank you very much. Blake, uh, Blake, tell us a little bit about uh, how the season's gone so far for the uh, Santiago team that I love and refer to as the Fighting Sharknados. (laughs) (laughs) It's going pretty well this year. Um, we started out with a good win, our first game, and then uh, our week two we played a pretty uh, difficult private school down in the Orange County area, and uh, we weren't uh, fortunate enough to win that game. But uh, the past two games we've been uh, on a roll, and um, we're on a win streak right now, so hopefully we can keep it going this week. Um, against Hart, it should be a really good game. should be a lot of points scored. Um, so it uh, should be a good time. Well, uh, and Blake, I just kind of talk about, you know, the game against Silverado. I know you guys were – I've been communicating with you during the week. You guys were hoping to make some strides offensively, kind of get the vertical passing game going. Just, I guess, first of all, just kind of describe how you guys played last Friday. We played pretty well. Um, The team's getting better and better every week. Uh, Our uh, run game has been really really succeeding this year, I guess you can say. Um, Our our back has just about ten touchdowns already, and it's only uh, week five. And then – but we're finally starting to get the pass game down. We have a whole new core of receivers this year, so it was a little uncomfortable at first, but now we're getting together and uh, we're making some progress, and uh, it's getting uh, better and better every week. Absolutely, and, and a lot of your compadre that you've been with throughout your career at Santiago, uh, Mr. Brendan Bixler, he's really continuing to produce for you. I know I was talking to Coach Steinberg earlier this afternoon, and he had another big night in special teams and catching the football. Absolutely. Uh, Brendan's a great attribute to have on your team. Um, he could probably play any position, but uh, he's playing slot for us right now, and he uh, does some special teams too. He's uh, he's not the biggest, and he's not the most intimidating player, but he's he's pretty fast, and uh, he's not too easy to tackle, so it makes, uh, makes for a good uh, tool. And, uh, and obviously this game coming up with Hart's a big-time game. You guys had a shootout with him last year. Coach was telling me he's kind of anticipating the same deal this year. You guys are going to have to try to sustain some drives. But I believe you're very familiar with the quarterback on the other side. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brady and I have uh, been pretty good friends in the past couple of years. Um, met last year some time ago and um, went through a, a lot of camps this off season through the Elite 11 and Rivals camp. So we uh, spent quite a bit of time together. So we've uh, built a pretty good friendship. Any Any trash talking going on this week? <laughs> Um, a little bit, not too much though. Um, we know at the quarterback position, we can't really talk too much trash on each other because it's not like we're going to be on the field at the same time as them. But uh, um, it, it's going to be a good game, and uh, Brady's a great player. Great. Well, and Gene, I wanted to, to touch base with you now. How has this whole process been for you? I mean, it's been a whirlwind. I really since last, middle of last season with his recruitment taking off. But how has this whole experience been for you as a mother? Oh, my gosh, it's overwhelming and totally exciting. I mean, this is, it's been crazy, to say the least. Yeah, I'm sure it's never boring. Uh, I was just telling the listeners about you, you 
about the craziness I'm sure you guys went through last Friday to get to Tuscaloosa, but I'm sure, I guess the trip was all worth it. How was the trip for you? Oh, I had a blast. Um, I've never been to an SEC game before, so it was very exciting. Wow. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, how how was the how did you I know you had not been to I know you've been down to see the facilities and everything in the summer, but how was how what would you what did you think of the game environment and overall atmosphere? Oh, I cannot believe how many fans and how crazy it is. Um you know, it was it was so much fun. I think Blake and I both had a great time and definitely looking forward to more to come. Yeah, absolutely. Well and I want to Ahead, like I wanted Gary. to ask you, uh, I, I know that you did an interview early in the week with a mutual friend of ours, Drew Champlin from AL.com, and when you were talking to uh, that Drew, you relayed to him an interesting experience you had regarding a famous Auburn alumnus on the plane on the way home. What do you tell our <laughs> listeners about that encounter? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was right before boarding my flight to uh, L.A. from Atlanta, and uh, Charles Barkley was standing there, and I mean, everyone noticed him. He's pretty big um but we had a standby flight and then uh got to sit down and talk to him for a little bit had a conversation and uh he's a, he's a really good guy yeah you, uh so i i, I got to get your take on this Blake, because it's it was your first you know game experience in tuscaloosa i know you got to see the red carpet treatment you got to see go behind the curtain and watch practice when you visited in the summer but what I know you had expectations. Everybody does when you go when you visit a place like that. But did it, how how was the overall experience for you as a, as a as a future you know Alabama football player? What did you what was your overall impression of uh, the game day environment in Tuscaloosa? Uh, it was it was pretty breathtaking um, to see the fan base and see uh, the students and uh, how the players prepared and um, how they played and in, in, uh, in such a, a good environment. It was a uh, it was really memorable, and it's uh, it's exciting to to be able to play for that in the future and um, just prepare myself for it because uh, it's a it's definitely a great environment. And I know you've been in communication with the coaching staff, Coach Saban and Coach Kiffin, but what you got to see for yourself from field level, great to see what the offense looks like and what they've done with Blake Sims. And, uh, of course, the Bama Nation is just ecstatic with it right now. But I'd like to get your take on what you think of the offense and how it, you know, suits your skill level because it seems that it seems that it's going to be fitting you like a glove, man. I think uh, I think this last game was uh, Kiffin's really first opportunity to open up his full offense, and I think uh, the results were pretty uh, pretty obvious. Um, the passing game was, was great, and they had a, a great run game as well. Um, the offense dominated the game, and, they had four turnovers and still were able to produce, I think, uh, 600 yards of offense. So it, it's nice to have results like that, even when you have a few mistakes. And I know that's what they're going to work on in these upcoming weeks. So once they get those fixed, uh, should be uh, should be pretty fun to watch. No doubt. And kind of tell the listeners, I, I know you stayed until Monday. You got a chance to, you know, meet with the coaches after the game on Sunday. What was that like, and what was their take on the performance? It was great. Um, the coaches were a little disappointed in the in the small mistakes that they made uh, as far as the turnovers and uh, but um, I think Coach Kiffin was definitely uh, proud of the offense and how they moved the ball when they were uh, when they were playing right and they had a uh, ball security and everything but um, I think they were proud of what what they did and to open up the offense like that in front of the, the home team in the first SEC game was a it was a big statement. 
If you just joined us here on BAMS Radio, we're talking live with uh, Alabama quarterback commitment Blake Barnett uh, from out in California and his mom, Gina Harrison. Gina is one of my newest uh, Facebook friends and Twitter followers. I'm really glad to have her. Can't wait to meet her later. But, Gina, i got to ask you this. Uh, how Maybe the magic of the Internet explains this, but how does the mom of a quarterback commitment already have her own Tuscaloosa esthetician? <laughs> It's called networking. (laughs) I've been fortunate to meet some very nice people out there, so I'm sure there's going to be more to come. Well, tell us a little bit more about your friend, Lisa. Pardon me? Tell us a little bit about uh, Lisa Hoggle and how you guys hooked up and got to be friends. Oh, we just, um, I know some people out there, and she was a friend of a friend, and we met, and I know the Southern Hospitality, I mean, everybody down there is so open and friendly and um, warm and welcoming, so we just kind of hit it off, and it's, it's nice to have some people that I know out there now. No doubt. And, uh, Blake, a, a quick question for you. I understand that uh, even just you guys only played four games, but you've already got 957 yards, five touchdowns, and you've run for 197 and two more. And then you have three interceptions, uh, which, you know, that's going to happen as part of the ball. What have you learned so far that's made you a better player uh, through the first four games, Blake? Um, just just getting more comfortable with the offense and, uh, and um, getting on the same page as everyone. Obviously, we're establishing the run game, which is nice, but we have a – a new set of receivers coming into this year, you get kind of uncomfortable at first, but once you get the ball rolling, that's when the results have been uh, definitely picking up in these past couple of weeks. So um, once we keep that going, uh, we should be uh, fairly unstoppable. Last last year, our, our pass game was uh, our dominant key on offense. Um, we didn't have much much of a run game, and this year we do, so it's, uh, it's, it's adding a nice other feature to the offense. But uh, i got to make uh, – make some uh, corrections with uh, the mental mistakes as far as the turnovers, but um, we'll definitely be coming in a lot better these next couple of weeks and uh, a lot more efficient. Well, Blake, i got to ask you, because I know it's a process even during the season for you, but what uh, I was talking to Coach Steinberg earlier, and he said that you were, you, were, you were both discussing the visit to Alabama and what Alabama was doing offensively. He said you guys actually do some similar things to what Coach Kiffin's doing, including an, a, a uh, a, a screen into the boundary where Alabama threw the interception. Did you guys run something similar to that? So, uh, kind of talk about that and kind of what you were go, what you were processing as you were watching the game unfold. Yeah, you'd be surprised. We do uh, run some very similar plays and uh, similar concepts. Um, where uh, the read that um, Blake Sims is making up there, I'm, I'm doing some pretty similar stuff down here. It's, obviously on a smaller scale of things, but um, the overall concepts uh, are, are fairly similar. Um, so I was surprised to see that, and it's uh, it's almost welcoming to, to know that some of the stuff that I'm going to be running down there, I'm already uh, learning and going over right now. Awesome. And and, and, and i got to ask Gina this, because I, I don't know if she's been asked this yet, but what is your impression of the food in the South, and are you a sweet tea fan yet? <laughs> <laughs> the food is phenomenal and absolutely both Blake and I love the sweet tea. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's that's the one that's one thing. Yeah, Blake, go ahead. You you can kinda of riff on that a little bit. I'm sure it's been a, an experience <laughs> for you as well. Oh, definitely. I've been drinking sweet tea for a long time now. I've I've already known about that uh, and then uh going uh, out there I and got having you. 
in the in the south is, is ten times better. So uh, that shouldn't be too much of a transition. <laughs> well, I, I, can tr- I can trust you both that the gentleman that is my co-host knows just about every good eating joint in the southeast. He will have you eating like a, like a king and queen, no doubt, every week. If you just <laughs> hit him up a little bit on Twitter. I just can't pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can definitely give you some names of some places to eat, though, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, sometime later this year, maybe you guys can come by the Bams Radio tents located just across the street from the quad. And we have awesome barbecue and sweet tea at that tent. I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> ah, that would be wonderful. Perfect. Sweet. In fact, it's one of our major sponsors, uh, Big Heads Barbecue, uh, located from South Alabama, comes up and brings stuff every week and. I was telling him before you guys came on, uh, Gina and Blake, he's got a dish he brings. It's called a triple threat. Uh, and it's not about, you know, running and passing and kicking. It's about a piece of pork uh, with a small piece of sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon and drizzled with his sauce. And it is, uh, uh, I'm, I mean, it's a cardiologist nightmare, but it is a great dish. And we'd love to have you guys come by that tent sometime. Oh, my goodness, that sounds phenomenal. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, and, and Blake, I've got to ask you about this because I know this was a big part of your trip. I mean, obviously, another guy that I saw, I was able to, I, I didn't, wasn't able to speak with him because we were all going to our seats, but he, he went by me on the golf cart. I saw your boy Calvin Ridley and uh, Burgess Becker were there. I guess Calvin had to be smiling from ear to ear watching Cooper. What was your, what was his impressions of the game, and who all did you talk to down there as far as commitments go? Oh, uh, well, Calvin was extremely happy um, to see that connection that Blake and Cooper had. Uh, it, it's exciting to to move on to hopefully the next level with uh, with me and him being that productive. Um, but yeah, I was with I was with Calvin. I was with Sean Burgess, um, Christian Bell. Uh, shoot, I was with Deontay Thompson. Basically, every single commit uh, we had about 90% of the commits out there, and I got to hang out with them at the game and then uh, that night, too. So uh, I got to spend some quality time with them and just build on that relationship to hopefully further once we get out there. Absolutely. It sounds great. And obviously, you, I know you had to have talked to Coach. I saw the picture with Coach Saban. What did Coach Saban have to say to you, you know, after the game? I mean, I know he had to have been in a pretty good mood considering that they played, we play, Alabama played pretty well. But what was his, what was, what did you and he kind of talk about? Well, uh, nothing. Just kind of checking in and uh, seeing how everything's going at home. And uh, I was asking him about uh, what how everything's going up here too. And he just said that he's excited for me to get up there as soon as possible and uh, start getting uh, getting ready to play in this offense. Hopefully, uh, get a chance to compete. Um, that's what uh, my biggest goal is right now is to to get up there and fight for a spot. And uh, so the the sooner I'm up there, the the best. Uh, opportunity I should be uh should be given. And you know, and the and the thing I keep hearing about Coach Kiffin is and I watched him on the sidelines the way he interacts with players and he seems to just like Amari Cooper said yesterday on the SEC network, he's one he's like he's one of us. You know, he's we consider him, you know, he he, he relates to us so well. What did you talk to Coach Kiffin and what did he have to say to you? Oh uh, yeah, Coach Kiffin's great. Um got to sit down with him the day after and watch some film with him. Um it's nice to get a relationship with a coach started so early, um, and uh, I think Coach Kiffin's doing a great thing up there, and uh, the offense is really productive, and the way he interacts with players is uh, is great as well. He's uh, very energetic in the games. You could probably see him on the sidelines running and jumping around, but uh, 
it's nice to have a coach that's that passionate about the game. Blake, uh, having been a former receiver myself back in the day, I know that when you sit in the stands as a quarterback, it's, it's almost like watching film, even though you're watching a live game. And I, I say that to say this. What what did you think, uh, on first off, on the Drake touchdown, and secondly, on the first Amari touchdown, as a quarterback, as a football player, have you ever seen two people that wide open in your life? Uh, not quite. Um, they had a, that first play was was pretty great. Uh, they had Kane and Drake on the outside, which probably pretty unexpected uh, for Florida. Then um, Kenyon's got the speed just to burn them up top, and then uh, I mean the results are pretty obvious. They were they were wide open. Um, Amari on that one play, and Kenyon as well. And so it, it, it's pretty nice to see receivers running downfield like that by themselves. It gives a gives a quarterback uh, puts them in a good spot. Well, and, I, and I've got to ask Gina this. Gina, I know you watching the game with your son. You have to start imagining what it's going to be like when he's there playing. What was going through your mind as you were watching the whole game day environment and watching what was going on on the field? Just thinking how excited I'm going to be to watch him out there. I mean, it's it's a whole different ball game now. You know, it's it's insane. I could not believe how vibrant and exciting, you know, all the fans and stuff were. It, it's, it is a little overwhelming, I'll admit that. But I'm looking forward to it. And I, and I know you got to a chance to meet a lot of people behind the scenes. I, I've asked to ask this because I've never had the pleasure of meeting her, but I've heard all the stories about how personal she is. Did you get the chance to meet Terry Saban, and what was that like if, if that happened? I have not met her. Um, I've met okay. Coach Saban several times. So I haven't had the pleasure to meet Terry yet. So I do look forward to okay. that one day. I mean, and I've and I've I've heard so many stories about how how well organized everything is and how 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 personal the support staff is. How did they treat you on your trip? Obviously, it must have gone really well. Oh, it was. They've they've been wonderful. You know, the few times we've been there, um, they've been just great to deal with. Very friendly. Very. Um, sincere and everything, so it's it's been a good few trips that we've been there. Yeah, and I uh, you know, was it eye opening for you when you got to Alabama and realized how much more handsome the men are here than California? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. <laughs> was it a was it kind of an eye opening experience when you got to Alabama and noticed how how much handsome men are compared to California? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. (laughs) I just love how friendly everybody is back there. Oh, we're big on hugs down here now. Hugs are a way of life here. (laughs) I saw that. Yes. And I I wanted to ask Blake, too. Blake, I mean, what what, what... um, what is, what is your expectations now as far as uh, for your team the rest of this way? I know you guys are getting ready. I think I think this is the last game before you guys start league play. Is that correct? Yes. Well, so I mean, obviously, what do you guys? What do you think you guys need to work on, and what is your expectations? Of, uh, first of all, against Hart and going forward. Um, just just building every week, uh, getting better, uh, watching film, uh, fixing the little mistakes. Cause I think uh, we're really close to to being very successful. Um, our past game is coming together uh, week by week, so I think um, we keep improving, and uh, we, we should be a, a pretty uh, efficient team. 
Yeah, and, and obviously this, this matchup with Hart is going to be a tough one. Uh, just kind of talk about your, what you got, how the week of practice has gone so far and what your expectations are Friday night. Practice is going good. This week uh, is probably the best best week of practice we've had all year. Um, energy level is high and everyone's focused, so uh, it's uh, it's good to see this, uh, this type of practice uh, in preparation for such a big game. Yeah, and it's going to kind of be neat. You guys are going to be on TV yet again. I'm hoping to get a chance to catch some of that. I think you guys will probably have a lot of Bama people on the Internet feed watching you guys late. Uh, late uh, In our time, it will be 9 to 9.30, I guess. But uh, you're going to – I get it. And I, from what I understand, I think there's been even an influx of Bama fans at some of your home games. So that's had to be kind of neat. Oh, definitely. It, it, it's nice to see uh... – some fans from uh, pretty far away come out and watch uh, watch games down here in California. So uh, it it really says a lot about the fan base and how uh, supportive everyone is. Like I had a chance uh, to scout Christian Bell this past week. Uh, they were playing a pretty bad team, but he still had a sack and a tackle for a loss in the first half before they subbed. Uh, I ask I say that to say this: uh, What do you think? Uh, Alabama's chances are of convincing uh, Christian's teammate Darrell Williams to flip from Auburn to Alabama. Uh, I, I think they might be uh, pretty good, to be honest. I've been talking to him a little bit. I talked to him a lot at the game and uh, this weekend. Uh, he's a really good kid, and I know he's a great player as well. So uh, we'll see what happens, but um, I'll still be talking to him. This Friday night, I'm going to be uh, scouting uh, Lindell Mac Wilson of Carver Montgomery as they play Prattville. I understand you got to hang out with uh, Mac a little bit too. I did, yeah. Pretty good kid. Definitely, I would say so. Um, you'd be surprised. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these recruits are really good kids. They're really genuine, and uh, obviously, they're great football players too. If they're getting to the position where they are right now, then obviously they've been doing something right. So. Uh, Everyone up at the game, they've been uh, really, really good kids, and uh, it's nice to be a part a part of uh, this recruitment process with them. Well, and I, I've got to ask you about a couple of kids that could end up, you know, be that are not in the class as of yet, but I know Alabama's heavily involved with both, and they would both you offensively. Uh, what was your? Did you talk to Terry Godwin, and also have you talked or seen at least seen have the coaches told you about Keith Mixon, who uh, is a slot guy they've recruited out of Shade Valley, a little bit's very explosive. Yeah, definitely. Coaches have talked about him a little bit. Um, I haven't really got to talk to either one of them, but uh, I've been uh, pretty busy staying with the commits right now, and uh, there's a couple other guys I've been working on. Um, so we'll see. I mean, our, our recruiting class is pretty full as it is, so trying to make the last couple spots is uh, – as ideal as we can. Absolutely. And, and Gina, I've got to ask you, uh, obviously you've been doing a lot of travel in the last few months. Uh, you were Obviously you just were in Vegas this, yesterday and you just got through flying home. How, is, have you, how has this been for you? Is, uh, have you? is everything finally starting to calm down for you or has it still been a whirlwind? No, it's actually calmed down. Um, you know, now that he's in season, I make sure I'm I'm home for games and as much as I can be. So it's actually nice that it's calming down a little bit. Right. And uh, and do you plan on? Uh, are you uh, are you guys are you going to plan? Are you coming back with him for A and M? Are you going to come back for the official with the Auburn trip? No, I'll come back for the official. 
Okay. Awesome. Look, and I'm telling you guys, I just want to warn you, that was a big game against Florida. This is for you too, Blake. I know you've heard the story, but the intensity level for the Iron Bowl is off the charts. And I'm just going to let you know, it, especially with how good they've been the last two years, uh, this environment may uh, it may be even crazier than it was in 2010 when that, that, that for the 28-27 game. It will be, especially with the stakes, what they could be. So it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, but Blake, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for coming on with us again. I know you got to be tired after practice. We appreciate you giving us about 20 minutes of your time. And uh, we and good luck against Hart. We'll definitely be watching you on Friday night. Hopefully you guys can bring that home and uh, go to four and one. And Gina, we've been waiting to get you on. We really appreciate you making time for us tonight. We really enjoyed having both of you on bands. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, we. We've got it all covered. I mean, we've had the head coach, the quarterback coach, the quarterback, and the dad and the mom. So we have uh, we have uh, given our homage to uh, the Santiago Sharks this year. I feel like <laughs> a shark, man. I feel like I'm part of the family now, uh, and I just roll tight to you both. And I thank you for being so uh, accommodating for us here at BAM and, of course, uh, and during this whole process. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, thank Blake. You. Thanks, Gina. Yes. Thank you. And roll tide, Gina. Roll. Uh, I, I was actually she dropped us. That happened. So no problem. We she got part of it out. It's now uh, six three minutes after the hour, and you've just been listening to an extensive interview with Blake Barnett and his mom, Gina Harris, here on Bams Radio. But now it's time to go back to the phone lines, where uh, we're going to bring on now the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Uh, Mr. Bring the Pain from the Shoals area. What's up, Pain? What's going on, guys? God. Hey, they did roll, didn't they? Yes, they did. And what did I tell you Alabama was going to score? 42 points. 42. And I I was off by four points on Florida. Well, we'll I told you I was going to be 42 to 17. I got to give you props, man. You you came way closer than either one of us did. Any of us three did. Uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what the Ole Miss game is going to be because you're obviously better at it than we are. I'm serious. Uh, I need to start listening to you more. I tell you what, they played like they did against Florida. We'll probably beat them 45-28. I'll take it right now. And, you know, a lot of people think that the Ole Miss-Memphis game this weekend might be a little closer than, than some field. Do you think Memphis might make them sweat a little bit before we lose, Payne? Yeah, I'll have to say Memphis will bring it to Ole Miss. They're yeah, it's still 35 on UCLA, Payne. I, I take it that's in Oxford? Yeah, I know it's in uh, Oxford. Yes, yes, they're playing in Oxford, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And what, what else did you do to them in Oxford? We beat them, what, 50-something to 21 or something like that? i tell you what. I'll, We're going to beat them? I'll never forget that move Trent Richardson did on that poor guy in Oxford. Oh, my God. And, hey, and that kid's become a pretty good corner, Kerry. He's one of the, he's probably their best corner. Once they dug his junk back up from about the 20 yard line where it was yeah. buried. Yeah. So what, our defense is getting a lot better, too. 
I love the way our defense was rolling. I think our defense did a great job. Uh, You can't keep giving the other team the ball in plus territory. When you consider what they had to face due to the errors by the offense and and still didn't give up the 200 yards, I I feel like the defense played wonderful. Yeah, I know. Everybody kept saying that uh, Florida was running more yards on people, but we held them to 120. I mean that. Yeah, I think we did a pretty good job bringing the pain. I I mean, I will say this: the only thing I will say is Florida's O line. You know, the best player didn't play. Uh, Chaz Green got banged up. They don't have a great offensive line, but Alabama still made them look pretty ordinary. Matt Jones, as you know, Thomas Watson told everybody, is a really good back. They did a good job slowing him down. But I will say this: I think Ole Miss is overrated. I think their offensive line is just average. Bo Wallace does not scare me. He's not mobile, doesn't have a big arm. With Alabama getting Jarek Williams and Eddie Jackson back and having two weeks to prepare, I think Alabama is going to be hard to stop. I do think Ole Miss may have an even better defense than the Gators. We're going to find out that out really quickly, especially and if they do have trouble with Memphis, then it may pour 10 trouble, definite trouble with Alabama. But I, do, I still think Alabama's got the edge. On both lines of scrimmage, uh, I think if the if the O line, if the left, if the right guard situation can be ironed out, I think the you know the front seven for Ole Miss is physical, but I think Alabama can wear them down. And I I still am not sold on Ole Miss's secondary. I do think they're it's it's better uh, than it has been, but they haven't had the, they haven't had to try to cover Amari Cooper and DeAndre White and, go, and guys like that. If Blake Sims is healthy, which I think he will be, I think I like Alabama in the matchup. I would say somewhere around. Thirty-five, seventeen, somewhere around that. All that, right, Payne, you got a, anything a else for us tonight? Uh, yeah, I heard y'all talking to Blake, and I just wanted to give him a shout out and welcome to Bama Nation. I'm sure he appreciates it, and uh, he's going to be a great representative for us. That's the second time we've had him on. And you can already tell that down the road a couple of years, Blake Barnett will be one of those guys that Coach Saban sends in to speak to the media as a team representative and will be on the leadership council for his class. And uh, just a great young man, very, very well-spoken, a great football mind, great athlete, great arm, great feet. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really fortunate to have him in the fold. I don't think there's any doubt right. about that, Kerry. Well, Payne, uh, we appreciate you calling, man. Uh, give us a shout again next week, and we'll talk a little bit more about Ole Miss. Uh, we are coming up here on the uh, top of the hour, but we're going to bring on another caller who has reached us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. He doesn't think I know who he is, but I do. I spoke to him about a week and a half ago at the Southern Miss game. Uh, I know exactly who he is, but we're going to pretend like He's a band of history, so uh, William, you're live on Bams Radio. Well, actually, I think I might be a different William because I don't remember being at the tailgate. Oh, okay. but, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, so. I was like, I don't think it was me, but I do. Nah, want you're too young to be the William I thought it was. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess but, we got three Williams at Paul's Count Redfish. <laughs> but anyway, what's up? <laughs> well, roll time in the game. There was just so much 
to talk about, pleasantly surprised after the, the wave of highs and lows. When Ken, we went three and out and Kenyon Drake hit that long pass, I was just on a high. And then we had those two fumbles, and I just came to pieces in my living room. My poor kids having to sit there and watch their dad freak out. But I guess they're used to it by now. But overall, the offense, like you said, was just phenomenal. But on the defense, some guys, Jaron Reed, I really thought I had a coming out party. I mean, we knew how good he was, but my gracious, that guy just dominated. And to see Tony Brown get his first start and the confidence he built to where, boy, he was he was doing some barking toward the end of the game at some of the receivers. He was – and I don't know if y'all can confirm. I heard that – or there was a thing going around that he was on the field and he was so confident toward the end of the game, he was screaming that somebody's not getting their job back. <laughs> I just found that just hilarious, really, the fact that he's that confident that, you know, I've got this job and I'm keeping this job. But the guy was fantastic to watch. But, yeah, the defense overall I thought was great. They're really coming together. Everybody's learning their assignments. When Landon Collins is just able to just kind of roam around and do what he wants, I think he can make plays like that just all day. And that's going to help us a lot against Ole Miss. And, of course, the offense. Blake Sims, he answered the questions about the deep passes, but also he threw some nice, Tight window passes. I mean, he put the ball a couple of times in places that he shouldn't have been able to throw it, that I was just amazed. So it wasn't just the deep throws. It was the accuracy throws 20, 30 yards down the field. And I was like, this guy's almost a complete package. And, of course, you add his mobility and speed into it, it the kid's just unreal. So the, the team that started off with some question marks, obviously a long way to go. But just so much excitement now, so many places for this team to go, so much way, you know, so many ways they can improve. And when you've got a staff like we have, I mean, the sky's the limit. There's no doubt. If they'll just keep following their coaches, doing what they need to do, work hard every day, I mean, to me, we can get to that 14 playoff and just do some serious damage when we get there. At the first of the year, if somebody would have said, Blake Sims will be the starter, do you think we can win a championship? I probably would have been one of those, I don't know, and all this stuff. But after this game, I'm like, wow, I really think we could do it. But uh, but just enjoyed the game, guys. I, I thought we really showed a lot of stuff. And I just think we're only going to get better as the year goes on. Great call. Yeah, I mean, I, thank you, William. Uh, that was a wonderful job. You, you said it better than we could have. Uh, please call back, William. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah, good job. Um, and you know, and I admit it, Drew. I made some statements to the effect that if Jacob Quarter, Jacob Coker was our quarterback, that we'd be in the 14 playoff, and if Blake Sims was our quarterback, we'd be in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, not the SEC championship game. I'm enjoying eating those words. Uh, I will tell our listeners, I, I, I man up and admitted I was wrong, and I will tell you also that crow tastes especially good with Dreamland sauce on it. Bacon. Uh, that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. It's three minutes after the hour. When we come back, we'll talk some recruiting with John Garcia from Scout.com and BamaMag.com. You're listening to BAM's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. 
Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tied, all the time. after the hour of hour number two. Uh, very busy first hour. Lots of callers and also uh, Blake Barnett and his mom, Gina Harris, and uh, one of the better interviews we've had here on BAMS Radio. Thanks to Drew for setting that up. And by Drew, I mean Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com. My co-host, I'm Kerry Clark with BamaMag.com and Scout.com. And back in the studio, producing away, we have Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, but also of BamaMag.com and Scout.com. We are joined live right now by John Garcia, who uh, reports on recruiting for Alabama primarily. And, John, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Cannot complain, Kerry. Good to be back on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, you're always one of our best guests that we have, and it's great to have you. And uh, we'll just cut right to the chase. Uh, I'll take the first question and give Drew the second. But, John, it's that crazy time of year. Uh, the games have begun. Kids are taking visits. Uh, committed to one school, visiting another school, causing them to be changed uh, to solve commitments on scout.com, as is our policy. Uh, 
Go ahead and start us off with the latest news on uh, some Alabama commitments who are scheduled uh, or have visited elsewhere recently. Yeah, it's funny. Like you said, the policy on scout.com, you know, it's, it's a fairly old policy. Um, it states, you know, if a prospect is committed to school X and he sets up an official visit date to school Y or any other school um, and that date is locked in, we have to drop him down to, to soft verbal. But I think in today's climate, it's going to be pretty crazy if you, if you go on scout and check out Alabama's commitment list because you might see six, seven, eight guys as soft verbal. So don't read a whole lot into it um, because, like you said, in today's world, um, kids are going to take visits. I mean, the most solid prospects like a Makai Brown is probably going to take all five official visits. So you have to look at it in that light. But with that being said, there are several who are already uh, sort of kicking us off in, in that direction. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, the four-star safety commitment from Tallahassee, has locked in an official to Georgia to watch the Auburn game uh, over there in November uh, in Athens. Um, Christian Bell, most likely visiting Nebraska this coming weekend. Uh, Hoover High School is on a bye week. I know you just saw them play. Um, so they have a bye week before that, that big Spain Park game next week. So a lot of their guys are taking visits. Bradrick Shaw is going to check out Wisconsin. Darrell Williams might even take a visit. He's not unsure yet. So kind of off timing for Bama to have the same bye week, and, and I guess perhaps ironic there. Uh, so Christian Bell probably at Nebraska, South Carolina, Louisville, some other schools looking at him, and, and back to Harrison. LSU, North Carolina, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Florida could be some other schools in the mix, unless, of course, FSU, the, the local school to, to the Tallahassee native, sort of hits the gas, which is probably what most people would expect down the road. Uh, so he'll take some visits. Bell will take some visits. Uh, and other guys who you could pencil in to eventually join that fold, as I mentioned, Makai Brown, the four-star from Georgia, Minka Fitzpatrick, the four-star from New Jersey, cornerback prospect, he'll probably end up – on that list, I wouldn't be surprised to see T.D. Moten take a couple of visits. We know Dalen Charlotte, you know, keeping it in Louisiana. He's definitely going to at least see LSU officially, so he'll earn that soft verbal status, if you will. So, again, it's going to be six, seven, eight, ten guys out of the, the 21 commitments that will end up as soft verbals between now uh, and January. Again, it's just more of the trend of today's recruiting more so than Alabama losing ground on some of these guys. So, of course, we'll, we'll try to keep track of it as best we can, but Alabama's in, in good shape for, for most of those guys if it wants to keep them, as you guys well know. Yeah, John, and I'm going to have a chance uh, Friday night to finally see in person. I know you saw him the first week or uh, the second week. I guess it was the first until the 22nd. But I'm, I'm going to give a chance to see Keaton Anderson play against Bob Jones uh, Friday night over here in Madison. Uh, just kind of give the listeners a scouting report on Keaton and what you thought of him. I know you saw him put on a tremendous performance against Shades Valley, but kind of just talk about how he's played thus far and your impressions on him as a prospect. Yeah, absolutely. That was, yeah, Florence Shades Valley was, I mean, that's the funnest game I've seen this year. It was a shootout, even though both teams have so many great defensive prospects. Obviously, Keith Nixon offensively keeping uh, Shades Valley ahead of the game there. But Keaton Anderson, I mean, speaking of Nixon, what impressed me the most is that he stopped Keith Mixon in the open field four or five times, completely in open space where Mixon had a two-way go um, to make a move on Anderson, and he didn't um, get away from him. So that alone, to me, was, was the most impressive thing for Anderson. I knew he could sort of rack up the tackles um, from B-gap to B-gap, what have you, uh, but he's bulked up, but he hasn't lost that, that agility, obviously, in stopping guys like Mixon in the open field. He was um, he was a leader. That was my favorite thing 
uh, about watching him play. Um, they got down early, uh, 21 points to Shades Valley at Shades Valley, big big game to open the season, all these top prospects. And he was one of the bigger reasons that Florence was able to rally. He stopped three or four drives by himself, whether it was coming off the edge on blitzes, making tackles in space, as we mentioned before, you know, the players got to the sticks, what have you. He he really showed off a versatile skill set. Uh, and he's closer to a sideline-to-sideline guy than, than I thought going into that game. I thought his junior tape was really good, but I wanted to see if he took the next step in, in really patrolling the middle, as you would expect, you know, an Alabama commitment to do. Uh, and I think over the last few years, he may be the most, you know, quote-unquote sideline-to-sideline guy that Alabama has signed, um, obviously with the exception of, of Reuben Foster, who pretty much does everything well and was very dominant at the high school level. Uh, Keaton Anderson is probably just under that in terms of being that true middle linebacker who can do a little bit of everything, and I think he's a really good fit for today's college football. He can play the run tough all day long, or he can drop back and make some plays to space uh, to fit these spread offenses. So really good pickup for Alabama, obviously being a Tennessee legacy and sort of swooping in there. Um, and he's one who you will not see taking official visits elsewhere. So he will not be a soft verbal. And as you'll see, Drew, uh, a very solid prospect. And Bob Jones is a really good school as well, so he'll have his hands full on Friday night. John, as a former college cornerback, as you watched the Alabama game this past Saturday, have you ever in your entire life seen anybody as open as Amari Cooper on that first touchdown? <laughs> no. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will never understand that um, truly. And, you know, sometimes they're just breakdowns. I was just really surprised in, in the Gators' approach to the game. I get you don't want to throw out Vernon Hargrave, you know, 90 straight plays covering a guy like Amari Cooper man-to-man. I understand that. But there was an overwhelming amount of zone plays during obvious passing situations for the Gators. And it really, it was it was almost too easy, as, as you mentioned. You know, that play was zone. Most of the big plays that Alabama was able to capitalize on were zone plays. So I think uh, it was just surprising to see so much of that when you have, you know, arguably one of the top two or three cover guys in the country. Um, they did get to go one-on-one, and Cooper still won more battles than he lost, but certainly it was a lot more contested and, and sort of man-to-man uh, combat as opposed to just let me go find this hole and, and gain 25 yards of pop. John, you know, I've learned so much football from you and then from one of our guests last week, Murph Baldwin. Uh, you, <laughs> taught me, you taught me on Twitter Saturday that what they ran on the Cooper touchdown was called a cover zero. That was funny. And Murph taught me last week uh, what the 11 technique was. I had never heard of that. So, I, you know, the longer I stay on BAMS and with Scout.com, the more I learn about the game. And I just want to personally thank you for that. <laughs> uh, we appreciate and that. Know it's, you know, it's my favorite thing to do. I, on top of covering recruiting and all that, if I could just get a job where they'll pay me a nice number to, to break down film all day and do stuff like that, you know, sign me up. No offense to anybody else, but that, that's – that's it's called quality control assistance for Nick Saban. Hey, one, one, of these, one of these days, Gary. One of these days, we're going to get we're going to get John and Murph in a room together. That should be fun. Now we'll not know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, John, I, I just want to I just want to ask you too about uh, another prospect that Alabama's heavily involved with, that I've heard from someone else in our business. Uh, that I think could end up flipping to Alabama eventually. 
because of maybe how the Florida season could unfold. But I want to talk about Adonis Thomas a little bit. I've not seen him in person. I, I know you probably you have. What I know he's having a huge year this year as a senior. But what? Okay, are you hearing anything on Adonis? And 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 also, what is your opinion of him? I think to me. He's a he's a really good, uh, almost a, a a bigger version of Keaton Anderson as far as a very good space linebacker. Absolutely, that's exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, you know, last year Daryl Williams, you know, the four-star Auburn commitment from Hoover, who was another potential flip candidate for the Crimson Tide. Last year he was about you know two ten to two fifteen, and he was the best in space linebacker I have seen at the high school level um, up to that point. This was you know, Williams as a junior. I think that's where Adonis is right now. I think he's an ideal space linebacker. He's not going to come down and wow you with mega hits and rush the passer and, and blindside the quarterback and strip the ball. He's not He's not going to do those things. He's going to be a solid tackler. He's going to play in space. He's going to be able to run with tight ends and slot receivers and running backs, which is, again, we talk about, you know, we talk about Nick Saban adjusting to today's offenses and guys, like Adonis Thomas, maybe wouldn't have Alabama offers, you know, 10 years ago or so, or, or even six or seven years ago. So, again, it's a, he's one of these that, you know, proves that Nick Saban is a, um, adjusting to college football. We know he's done it on offense with his um, scholarship offers and on defense now, which is, of course, his baby. He's doing it uh, the same amount, and I think Adonis Thomas is one of the shining examples of that, just a phenomenal space player, a guy you could see playing special teams early, uh, and he's got that long frame. You know, he's about 6'3", 215, so he could end up 6'3", 235 if you wanted him to do that, or you save him uh, to be sort of a hybrid outside linebacker, even a down safety type of guy um, strictly for passing situations. So you've got a versatile frame to work with there, so a lot to like. And in terms of Alabama's chances, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, publicly he – you know, people who didn't think Alabama had a shot certainly do now after – you know, if you just watch his Twitter account, you know, during the game he was saying Alabama looks so good. He keeps hinting at uh, making big-time decisions and talking things over with his parents and his coaches. So there's two th- main things to consider when you're talking to Donis Thomas. One, his coach said that he's going to take multiple visits to Alabama going forward. So we know one of them is going to be an official visit, but that's not going to be Alabama's only shot at swaying him. So, you know, Bama's trending, Florida's not. He's going to take multiple visits. One of them is going to be an official. I mean, you get where I'm going here. A lot of dominoes are stacking up towards the Crimson Tide in his uh, situations. I'm not quite at the point where I'm saying it's a matter of of when and not if, but whatever the notch under that is, that's where I'm at right now with Adonis Thomas. I think his you know his stock is rising uh, in terms of his chances to flip to Alabama, uh, and and like we said, multiple visits to, to Tuscaloosa. You know, in the last you know two months of the season is going to be big. He was actually supposed to be at the game on Saturday, but could not. Uh, his mother couldn't uh, quite figure out the travel arrangements there. So, uh, but it seemed like it was still a win for the Crimson Tide since he watched the game and and has obvious concerns about the Florida Gators, like most of their commitments will. I mean, if if Florida was in better shape, not only would they have secured you know his commitment, but five stars like C.C. Jefferson, Byron Coward. Uh, those guys might have been, or Martez Ivy, you know, three five stars right in, in Florida's backyard, might have been on the commitment list six months ago. So um, everyone is keeping an eye on Florida season. It's probably the biggest recruiting storyline in the ACC in terms of on field and how it correlates to to this 2015 class. If Florida, you know, mirrors last season or even has something close to that, it could be a really big 
advantage for every other team in the SEC, which of course would include Alabama for a guy like Adonis Thomas, and maybe you know make a late run at some of those other guys I mentioned. There's there's a lot of possibilities there, so all eyes will be in Gainesville in terms of on-field success this season. Well, John, well, yeah. to piggyback on that, uh, with the official commitment now of Leo Lewis to Ole Miss, is there room in the Alabama class for both Adonis Thomas and Darrell Williams? Yeah, see, this is where it gets tricky. You know, as you guys know, 21 is the number right now, and I know Blake Barnett even hinted at it. I mean, he's such a quarterback, isn't he? The guy says all the right things. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know why Nick Saban doesn't allow some of these freshmen to talk because they speak to us so much that, you know, they're they're more than prepared. But anyway, um, that's where it gets really tricky. You know, you've got uh, a couple of linebackers committed right now. Obviously, Keaton Anderson, the, the true linebacker on the commitment list, Christian Bell and Makai Brown, more Jack linebacker types, guys that will transition from being high school defensive ends, something we've seen at Alabama uh, plenty over the last half decade or so. So they definitely want to add another true linebacker or two to the class, but um, it could be a case of first-come, first-serve here because uh, both guys are similar. You know, I mentioned that Adonis and Darrell as a junior were very similar. Now, Williams has added about 15 pounds since then and is now a true, you know, linebacker. He's closer to Keaton Anderson now than, than to his junior version of himself. He could still more than play in space, you know, and completely hold his own. I think he had a pick six uh, last week. Um, but he is bulked up enough to play that middle linebacker role as well. So you combine his ability to play in space with this added mentality of, of I'm a middle linebacker and a captain of the defense type of guy. And I think it's really intriguing for Alabama. He's just different compared to Adonis Thomas in his skill set. But both guys are tall and lanky, 6'3 plus for each of them. Both of them, solid tacklers in space, can run with a lot of players. Uh, but Daryl's a little bit bigger bigger right now. So I think it, it it could be a matter of first come, first serve. I think Alabama knows it has the inside track to Williams and the recent developments of perhaps having the inside track with Thomas as well. Could dilemma between the coaches and trying to figure out, you know, which guy do we take at this point. So I think um, the official visits will be interesting because with the priorities, Nick Saban always likes to get those guys in later in the process, December January. That's when Kendall Sheffield's going to visit. That's when they want Matt Womack, the offensive tackle, who's committed to LSU to visit. They want those guys to come in later so they could actually spend time with them, more time with them than they could on a game day official visit because obviously you have to coach a game and all that fun stuff. So I think um, once those guys start to plan those official visits and you sort of see where Alabama you know, moves the, the proverbial chess piece uh, in scheduling those visits, I think that could give us the first clear hint as to which one could be the preference on that day. But, again, they're so similar in skill set, so similar in in their frames. Uh, They're both four stars on scout.com, and there's a lot to like about each of them. Uh, So it could be a case of first come, first serve. But I honestly don't envision any guy um, pulling the trigger very soon since they both are committed to other SEC schools. You know, Darrell has a lot of ties to the Auburn Tigers. Um, His father has a lot of ties to the coaching staff, you know, from back in the day. And, obviously, he's been committed – for some time now, and and Adonis had, you know, let's remember Florida had a monster lead for Adonis Thomas for about a year before he committed. Um, Alabama's run was was more recent, you know. It, it made him think, and he he didn't know where he was committing to, you know, hours before his ceremony. But uh, since that time, Alabama has has caught up and, and maybe even overtaken the Gators. So I think there's there's still some positioning for Alabama to do as well. So it, it's going to be complicated with so few spots left. If if some other guys, you know, end up committing elsewhere. 
Um, there could be a scenario where both guys are committed, but of course, you know, if you, if you bring in two linebackers, it means you're not going to get that second tight end or that second running back, maybe that next receiver that you wanted to get in the class. So that's where um, this time of year gets it gets really tricky, and we're going to see a whole lot of movement uh, going forward. So that 21 commitment class right now will look a little bit different uh, probably in a couple of months. Well, John, I, I've got to ask you about a kid with you just mentioned that he's always intrigued me as a prospect, and I think Alabama and Florida would have to be considered his two favorites with the Gators in front. With, he only, he's only 45 minutes from there. But as far as C.C. Jefferson goes, I've watched some film of him. I know he's hurt and he's going to miss the rest of his season with his labrum issue with his shoulder. But where do you project him as far as position? I've heard people mention Jack, but to me he looks like a guy that could bulk up a little bit and be one of those 270-pound speed rushers against spread teams as far as in a uh, – Alabama could walk him up in a four-man front. He could play the Jack, I guess, because Xavier Dixon's basically playing with his hand down right now a lot. But what do you project as far as the future for CC? Yeah, I think he's got – you talk about frames. You know, he's got a great frame. He's about, you know, 6'4 plus. He's already, you know, 260 pounds or so. So he could end up as a Jonathan Allen type, you know, and get up to, to 280, 290, you know, in a heartbeat if you wanted him to. Or you can keep him down and, and allow him to be that traditional jack to play, you know, 250, 260 and come off the edge from, you know, a stand-up position. He can do both, and he's done both in high school, which I think, it may be an overlooked um, skill that, that we look at when we look at these, these prospects because every year there's so many guys. You know, last year you had Keith Holcomb, Rashawn Evans, Christian Miller. Some of those guys stood up and rushed, and some of those guys didn't. And I think that transition is, is bigger than it sounds. Uh, so for a guy like CeCe to have already done both before, like you mentioned, getting getting injured and having to miss the rest of the senior season, I think, it provides an advantage, and I think it'll probably, you know, guys who stand up like standing up. You know, they they kind of, uh, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a running back that gets to split out a receiver and catch a few passes. They say, oh, I'm pretty good at this, and they sort of want to, you know, just stay with that. Um, so I think that will probably be where he wants to play, and Alabama is usually pretty good about allowing freshmen to start out where they want to start. And, of course, <laughs> after that, you know, Nick Saban and company sort of up. Uh, put their foot down and make things happen. We'll see that, you know, with a lot of defensive backs and, and linebackers, you know, these next couple of years. But I think DC will want to stand up initially, um, but he could end up very well with his hand on the ground. And he's done a lot of both, so he's talented enough to do both. And that's why he's a top-ten player in the country on scout. The guy can do it all. Uh, and Florida's looking at him at, the, at a similar position. You know, their jack position is called a buck position, similar um, scenario there in terms of skill set. So, um, I think he's open to that either way. Uh, so Alabama will, will certainly uh, be chasing the Gators up to a little bit, but you know he will take that official visit, and he's actually going to be an Ole Miss uh, next weekend you know, as an Ole Miss official visitor, and he'll see the tide in action. So never a bad thing when uh, a guy you're in on can see you, you know, potentially go into somebody else's backyard and pick up a win, and if Alabama's going to do so, the defense is going to have to play well at some point. So, it couldn't hurt the Tide's chances, especially since he is going to take an official visit to Tuscaloosa at some point. So never count the Tide out, and now that he's injured, you know, it really changes how you recruit a kid. You know, you don't go to his game on Friday anymore. Now you try to set up something a little different, maybe wait for those in-home visits. So it'll be interesting to see how Alabama sort of attacks his recruitment going forward, and, and it could relate to all these guys taking visits elsewhere. You know, one of them, Budgets they could really ramp up um, for a guy like C.C. Jefferson, so we'll see what happens. 
John, uh, Bama fans are concerned, and maybe rightly so, uh, now that Dale uh, and Charlotte has begun to show some interest in LSU and vice versa. Uh, he got to see the uh, Tigers get embarrassed at home this past Saturday, but yet and still he was there and not the Bama-Florida game. So what is your gauge right now on on Dale and Charlotte and his commitment to Alabama, John? Well, uh, several things here. I mean, I'm still a little surprised about his in LSU. You know, once upon a time, you know, he committed to Alabama the moment he got the offer, and LSU didn't offer for about six months. You know, and and I was talking to him one time in the summer, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go to the LSU camp and I'm going to go get an offer. Like, it, he said it as if he was trying to go prove a point. You know, think of Ronnie Harrison. You know, he's from Tallahassee, four-star guy. He blew up this summer as, as big as any recruit has, yet the Florida State Seminoles have not offered him. So you wonder if he's going to get that that juice going as well, saying, you know, I need to prove to the hometown guys that I can play just like I proved to, you know, all the other national powers. So I think that was the situation for Charlotte, and sure enough, he goes there and Clark sub four four, you know, in the forty yard dash and just destroys that last camp that Les Miles put on, gets the offer, and and then starts saying, well, now that I got the offer, now you know I'm going to look at him a little bit more. Obviously, went to LSU uh, for a barbecue late in the summer and then returned this past Saturday in all LSU gear, I might add, to check out uh, the Tigers and the Bulldogs, which was a, a crazy game. Obviously, um, my gauge is this: you know, anytime a prospect says he's going to make a decision that he's committed to a school already, it's not good news for the school he's committed to. The only exception I've seen to this in the last five years has been C.J. Hampton, who set up multiple press conferences just to announce he was staying with Ole Miss. And obviously, I know you guys don't want to get too much into that after last year's scenario, but usually, you know, if you're committed to a school and you're, you're planning a decision, it's not good news for the school you're committed to, of course, um, the fact that he hasn't been to Tuscaloosa yet this fall should be concerning. There are plenty more times that he can get to Tuscaloosa. Obviously, still has an official visit in his back pocket to take. Um, so I, I would say until he returns to Alabama, it, it should be something to keep a close eye on. He's been spotted in LSU gear a lot, wore cleats to one of his most recent games, all LSU cleats. So there's certainly a lot to be said there, but he said he doesn't want to make his decision public until the Under Armour game in January. So, again, who knows what Alabama's commitment list could look like at that point at the receiver position. You know, Terry Godwin's a hot name. Lawrence Cager, does Keith Nixon finally get his offer down the road? A lot of things can sort of change up uh, where Alabama's looking at at the, uh, you know, pass catcher front. DeAndre McNeil, a tight end receiver hybrid. You know, if he surprises and picks Alabama on December 19th, then maybe there's a little more flexibility with a guy like Dale Charlotte. So there's still so much to be said, but as of today, I would say the level of concern is, is justified for Alabama fans because, you know, you got to track the actions, and the actions have all been LSU of late, although he, like you said, mentioned, you know, he, he watched a game that, that really didn't go LSU's way. But sure enough, they're playing a lot of freshman receivers out there, and Malachi Dupree had a, Dupree had a couple of touchdowns, and he's, you know, a true freshman. So there's always some positives take out of a game, even uh, even an embarrassing one like that one in, in Baton Rouge. Well, John, and I, speaking on the receiver, they, if they do lose Charlotte, to me, that Vixen's got to have a spot, first of all. And then second, I saw Terry Godwin at the game Saturday. He was the first kid I did see on the quad. Looked like he was having a very good time. He's obviously been the last two weeks and been to Tuscaloosa six times in the last six months, whatever. I've lost count. 
But I know Me he's too. committed to Georgia. Yeah, yeah, I know he's committed to Georgia. Uh, obviously, his sister's playing basketball there. But I did hear for the Southern Miss game that the parents and the sister came for the visit, had a very good time. The sister even said she wished she was going to Alabama. What do you think Alabama's ultimate chances are of flipping Terry Godwin? I think they're pretty solid. Um, you know, he's going to say the right things. You know, you interview Terry Godwin, you're going to get I'm 100% committed to Georgia, and he's gonna, he's just a positive type of kid. He's not one that uh, drags his feet with the recruiting process. He he likes doing interviews. He likes talking to people. He likes talking about you know football. So you're going to get the same kind of interviews from him. He's not going to break news. Hey, you know this school's moving up my list. He's not going to do things like that. Um, but again, he's going to be so positive about the school that he's visiting that when he makes so many visits to Alabama, where where he's probably been more than Athens, at least you know since the camp season started this summer, it starts to to sort of weigh on your your decision making just from the outside perspective, like ours is. So I think Alabama is certainly trending in the right direction, getting him on campus multiple times already this fall. He'll be back uh, presumably once or twice or even more. You know, I'm sure the Iron Bowl at Auburn is is in on him as well, so he would like to see those those teams square off surely. Um, and the official visit obviously hasn't happened yet either, so there's a lot going for Alabama at this point. The sister thing, it, it is a factor, but it, those are so overblown at this point. I think, you know, five years ago people focused on, you know, how the kid fits into a school and uh, if he has, you know, any family ties to the school in terms of, you know, my dad played here and what, what have you. Those things were were weighed heavily as they should be but now because we have so much access to these kids and so much information and we talk to them so much i think sometimes we read into those smaller tidbits of of, of too much you know brother and sister is obviously important relationship for anybody but are you really going to go to school with a sibling just to go to school with them no you're going to go to school to to do you and he's a five-star nfl caliber guy so it's not like he's you know, a two-star or an unranked guy uh, looking for a late spot. This is a coveted prospect that can do a lot of damage on either side of the ball. We actually think that he probably has a higher ceiling as a corner in terms of the NFL, but he's electrifying with the ball in his hand. So for college, you might see him on the offensive side of the ball. Think of a, a DeAnthony Thomas, you know, number one corner coming out of high school, but you had to put the guy on offense once he got to the next level. I think Godwin is in that same category. Um, so again, I think his sister is a factor, but I wouldn't call her a big factor. Let's remember Tony Brown just last cycle. You know, most outsiders thought, hey, sister's, you know, running track at LSU, done deal. Not even close. You know, his his parents were the decision makers, military family, driven family, and his dad was the biggest Nick Saban fan in the country. So that led to that. So I, I think those are the other factors you have to keep an eye on. And as you mentioned, Drew, you know, the family has been to Tuscaloosa multiple times, including, you know, just – 10 days ago or so. So that is always a good sign. And, and if he comes back, you know, once or twice more, I think Alabama still have has a really legitimate shot. You know, the, the bigger story could be the ripple effect from that. You know, if Charlotte flips, but, you, you know, Bama flips Godwin, what happens to Keith Mixon? What happens to Lawrence Cager? Does DeAndre McNeil still have a committable offer? Those are the bigger storylines to follow because, as we said, the numbers are so tight and, and some positions are going to have to be sacrificed, whether it's the number two offensive tackle, number two running back, number two tight end, number three wide receiver, another defensive back. So um, that that's where the dominoes will fall, but, but you don't turn down a guy, obviously, like Terry Godwin. So I think Alabama's doing all it could. Kirby Smart 
has been in with him as long as any coach has been in with him. And, and let's remember, you know, he committed to Georgia as a Pruitt guy, just like Rico McGraw did, sort of capitalizing on that momentum. So uh, it's not like his relationship with Georgia is, is this, you know, five-year deal like it is for, for a guy like Trenton Thompson, who has been connected to Georgia for that long. It's a different scenario with Terry Godwin in Alabama. Uh, it's, it's clearly the 1A to Georgia with Auburn somewhere in third place at this moment. So Ty fans should be excited because they, they've got a legit shot to land the kid. John, I'm glad you mentioned Trenton Thompson because he, along with Jonathan Ledbetter, were in Tuscaloosa this past Saturday. I'm of the belief that they were there because of the caliber of Georgia's opponent. I'm of the belief that uh, Jalen Harris was there because Auburn didn't have a game that day. But those three guys were there. That being said, does Alabama have even a distant prayer with any of those three individuals? I don't think so. I would say, you know, Harris maybe more than the Georgia guys. Um, it's funny, you know, talking to Rico McGraw, and he hung out with all the Georgia commitments the whole time he was on campus, with the exception of, of spending time with Blake Barnett. I was like, oh, this is interesting. But then, of course, he says he's not taking any visits. So, again, we'll see how that plays out. But um, a lot of Georgia commitments made the trip. A lot of Auburn commitments made the trip. And you you hit the nail right on the head, Kerry. It was, it was the game of the day in the SEC, bar none, you know, unless you went to – Baton Rouge, but you know those LSU, Mississippi State, really not in on those guys like Alabama was before they committed to their respective schools. So Trenton Thompson, I would say if he signs anywhere but Georgia, it would be the number one shock in the class of 2015, and it's not even close. Maybe Khalil McKenzie signing anywhere but Tennessee would be up there as well. But the, the kid's going to Georgia. I think that I think he's okay with that. I think everyone is sort of okay with that. But again, if you're Alabama, you're not gonna. If he's saying, hey, I'm going to come visit, you're not going to, you know, say no to, to a five-star and a game-changing type of prospect like Thompson. His mom did accompany him as well, but, you know, even Alabama made it clear with Thompson on campus that Deron Payne is the number one defensive tackle target, and Payne, of course, was on campus. So I think that was Alabama's counter to, yeah, you want to come visit, that's fine, we'll host you, but when you get here, you're going to recognize that you're not getting 100% of the love. You know, Payne's going to get a little more love than you, and that's sort of how it played out. So not the greatest trip for Trenton Thompson. Of course, it's just an unofficial visit. But, again, it, it almost doesn't matter because he's going to end up at Georgia. Ledbetter, similar situation, and this is the converse to what I was talking about with Terry Godwin. You know, his sister going to play basketball at UGA is great, but Jonathan Ledbetter's brother is already playing football at UGA, and it's something they didn't really think was possible since his brother was playing D2 basketball just a couple of months ago. So the fact that it could be possible and they could play together and even practice against each other as a tight end, defensive end, you know, position battle, I think that's a completely different ball game than Tony Brown's sister running track at LSU or Terry Robbins' sister playing hoops at UGA. This is a different scenario. You're going to room with him. You're going to play with him. You're going to learn from him. It's the whole nine yards. So once UGA offered that scholarship, it was pretty much a done deal because Alabama had only offered him as a walk-on prospect. So once Mark Rick pulled the trigger there, he knew what he was doing. It, it would be like Alabama offering Keith Mixon. If Alabama does that, a portion of that, to my understanding, would be to make sure you lock in Deron Payne along with a, a dynamic Keith Mixon as well. So, uh, again, Mark Rick knew what he was doing, and that's a completely different scenario. And, and I think it's almost in Trent Thompson's bad as well. Jonathan Ledbetter is a very long shot. And Jalen Harris, I talked about this on my podcast this morning, you know, the whole Philip Lutz and Kirkin thing, you don't want to talk about it in recruiting. But honestly, 
um, that helps Auburn in this scenario. And if it's touchy, you know, so be it. But it's true. You know, he was his position coach. He wants to wear number 43 at Auburn to honor, you know, uh, you know the tragic death of, of, of Phil. So, uh, again, all those things factored in. A lot of his high school staff are Auburn guys as well. Um, so Alabama, surely they would like to, to add that second tight end, as we've talked about. But Harris is probably not going to be that prospect. You know, they've, they've continued to recruit him. Uh, but he hasn't, at least publicly or to me, said that it, it, it's doing something. It's gaining ground. Uh, he's going to take credit shortly because, you know, he, he blew up later in the process with some of these other guys and hadn't got the chance to visit a lot of these schools. Um, but I don't think you read too much into it like you would uh, with some other prospects. So I think, Kerry, you, you hit it right on the head. Those guys were visiting because of uh, some interesting circumstances, and they wanted to watch a good game, and, and they, they did for the most part. Well, John, I want to ask you about another offensive line prospect that's kind of intriguing. He recently visited Alabama and got a, a written offer, an offer from Coach Saban, and that's Matt Walmack from the state of Mississippi. I know he's committed to LSU. His father has talked about them coming back for an official visit versus Texas A&M. Obviously, he's been committed to LSU since it's June, but as you said, if he's going to officially visit Alabama, there's got to be some sort of you know interest there. Obviously, Alabama has some interest. How much interest do you think Alabama has? Do you think they would – obviously, there's been talk they wanted to take two tackles. Do you think – what's your evaluation of him first, A, and then, B, do you think he would have a spot? Uh, I know he would have a spot. Uh, you don't offer, you don't send a written offer to a kid committed elsewhere so late in the game um, like they did from Matt Womack if you're not going to take him. I think a couple of factors here, obviously, Drew Richmond, committed to, to Ole Miss. I almost said Tennessee because that's where I thought he was going. He committed to Ole Miss, uh, you know, September 9th. He's one that's going to take visits as well. But, you know, Alabama, you know, a lot of people thought Alabama was higher than they were in the pecking order for him. But, but to my understanding, Alabama was no better than third or fourth for him behind Ole Miss and Tennessee, which are really the two schools that recruit the Memphis area the best. Um, so you lose out on a tackle talent like that and you have to look you have to move forward because the only other priority on the board right now Isaiah Prince is in a very slow stage of the process he's he's got uh, he plays ball in the mid-Atlantic like Richard Pettibone the other Alabama commitment does and those guys play games you know Saturdays you know because because of their schedule playing public league versus private league it's, it's sort of complicated out there so those guys can't make a ton of visits I mean Richie Pettibone might be the most solid commitment Alabama has but he hasn't been Cancers just yet. So those things are because of the schedule more so than anything. So the converse of that is when you're uncommitted, you know, you can't really take visits and sort of narrow down the process until after the season. So that's the scenario for Isaiah Prince. So knowing that, Alabama has to make sure that there's another tackle that, that they can take and, and plug into that, that, that left tackle spot potentially down the road. And they do envision Matt Womack as that. You know, the scouting services, including scout.com, I think he's a three-star across the board. Uh, you know, just a guy who who kind of caught fire this summer on the camp trail. He did camp at Alabama, uh, but did not earn the offer, obviously, until that Southern Miss game. Um, but Alabama has made it no secret that he is their priority. Actually, uh, Nick Saban actually spoke to him last night, Tuesday night, uh, to reiterate that one more time, along with Coach Napier, that you know that he is a priority. He is a take just sort of reassuring that, hey, you know, we're late to the game, but we want to be in the game all the way because we think you can play at Alabama. You know, the, the family was really pumped to add that offer 
to their list. Um, so we'll see what happens with the official visit. Like like you said, they they were thinking about the Texas A and M game, but because his priority level has increased over the last few weeks, Nick Saban is going to try to push it back and, and get him in in December or January so that they can spend that quality time together. Um, and it's interesting because the Womack is a guy who's graduating early, so that's one less month to recruit the kids. So it shouldn't be too big of a surprise that Alabama's sort of hitting the gas now as opposed to a guy like Prince who, who has to take his time and has to uh, go through the process you know, later rather than sooner. So Alabama surely will, will take either one of those two offensive tackle projections right now, but, but Womack is, is the guy in the news um, here more recently, and, and Alabama, you know, they're doing all they can. They're going all in, as I like to say, uh, for Matt Womack right now. Whether it, it works or not, we'll have to wait and see. You know, he does feel pretty loyal to LSU at the time, but, but stranger things have happened, so Alabama's not going to, to lose a battle with, with a lack of uh, attempt uh, as a reason. John, uh, you don't have to admit it, but I know deep down in my heart that one of the favorite things for you to read every week is the Friday Night Lights column on BamaMag.com. That being said, uh, serious part of the question, this Friday night I'll be able to see Carver at Prattville, which means I'll see uh, Lindell Mack Wilson and Marlon Davidson of Carver. Uh, who apparently is interested in Alabama despite his brother being an Auburn Tiger. I'll also be able to see a guy that I was the first to write about outside of the city of Prattville, uh, Kingston Davis, junior running back, weight room warrior for Prattville. Uh, at this very early stage of the game, John, where does Alabama stand with these three prospects? Uh, Alabama's in good shape for all three. Kingston Davis the only one without the offer at the moment, but Alabama has been in contact with him. And you know this, Kerry, the guy, you know, is, is a legit 230. So you automatically say, okay, this, this guy can't run the ball. But he's got some sweet feet for a 230-pound kid, uh, nicest kid in the world. Um, so Alabama's going to be in the mix for him. You know, the 2016 running back class in Alabama is a very good one. You know, we all know Alabama's, I wouldn't say struggles with getting running backs on the commitment list, but there have been some obstacles with getting running backs on campus that mega four running back class of 2013, you know, Derrick Henry, Tenpenny, um, Jones, and, of course, Alvin Kamara, who's now uh, a junior college prospect and a Tennessee commitment. Since then, there's been some, some tough times for, for the Tide getting running backs in. Obviously, Bo Scarborough still pending, you know, you know, the most mysterious recruit. You know, I've covered, you know, in terms of from signing day and beyond, you know, Bo's, you know, in the middle of nowhere looking to get, uh, back on track this January. We'll see if that plays out. And then in this class, you've got Terry Flowers committed, but Alabama really wants to add an elite back along with him. Uh, and, and, of course, it doesn't have that right now. A couple of possibilities out there with guys like uh, Damian Harris, Jacquette Patrick, and the name that I shall not say on this radio station because every time I say it, it, it sparks a ridiculous debate. He is a five-star junior college prospect for those needing a couple more hints. So there's there's some names out there. But, again, it, with the numbers crunch we talked about earlier, running back could be one of those sacrificial positions. So if, if you only have one running back in a three-year span, you need to take multiple guys the following year. So 2016 could be that year, and the state of Alabama has got some very versatile and very different guys, and Davis is one of them. I think power back, potentially Justin Fowler type of role down the road, can catch the ball out of the backfield, caught a touchdown at the game I was at against Amani Cabon and, and Smith Station a couple of weeks ago. 
so he could do some things, and obviously he has the frame, you know, six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds to make things happen uh, as a blocker as well. So interesting there to see if Alabama joins the likes of Louisville, Mississippi State, UAB uh, on his offer list. A lot to be said there, but again, there's a lot of good running backs in the state, so we'll see if if Davis ends up in that top tier. As far as Wilson and um, the other defensive lineman, Davidson, uh, Alabama has to offer these guys some time. Uh, Mac Wilson grew up a Tide fan. Davidson, as you mentioned, has a brother on Auburn's roster. Both of them were able to visit on Saturday. Returns have been positive, you know, but, but those guys are, are almost veterans in the process at this point. You talk about recruiting being so set up. Uh, these guys have had offers for a while. They visited several schools. To the point where they're just they're sort of doing the coach speak with the interviews now. They're just saying, yeah, you know, it's just kind of keeping an eye on this. They, they get it already from an early age, and um, although they've got you know what 15 or 16 months until they sign their letters of intent, Alabama will be a player for each. I would say Wilson a lot more probable than Davidson right now, but but that's only because we don't know a whole lot about Davidson, despite you know his brother being at Auburn that's really all we know he doesn't open up like some of the other guys but the two are very close and that's the interesting factor here they lived together for a portion of the summer as Davidson transferred into Carver so uh, interesting to see if that whole package deal scenario actually plays out um, but Alabama's in really good shape for Mac Wilson who's of course a five-star and the number one player in Alabama for 2016 he's, he's Rashawn Evans 2.0 is what I call him He's got that kind of freakish ability and could even be a little more athletic. I wouldn't say a little more explosive than Rashawn, but a little more athletic, a little more versatile, a very good offensive player just like Rashawn was at Auburn High School as well. So scary comparisons, I know, but but they are true, and I think you'll see some glimpses of that um, on Friday night. But, but again, remember, Rashawn Evans didn't really explode until his senior year. So, again, just another tribute to how scary a guy like Mac Wilson could be. So, uh I think you'll enjoy yourself on, on Friday, Gary. I'll see another top junior and the number two guy on Friday. I'm going to check out Ben Davis in person for the first time over at Gordo High School. Yeah, and John, your thoughts on Ben Davis a little bit. He, he looks to me, just looking at him a little bit on film, he moves well. I've seen his 40-time reported at 4-7. Hard to tell on that. He's got nice size. Of course, he's with bloodlines. As you know, his father is the all-time leading tackler at Alabama. But uh, right. where do you see him being a Jack linebacker type, or where do you see him projecting on the college level? Yeah, see, his athleticism is intriguing. You know, a lot of these guys, they do so much for their teams, and, and Gordo is a smaller school. So Davis has asked to do a lot more. Think of uh, a guy like P.J. Blue out of Jemison High School, another 2016 four-star. These guys are linebackers, safeties, running backs, tight ends, receivers. They do everything for their school. So it really sort of um, – triggers your imagination of where they could play at the next level. So for Davis, I think he could end up being a Jap um, if he really wanted to, to sort of hone in on playing the edge and setting the edge. But I'm starting to think of him more as a will linebacker prospect, more of, uh, closer to the Keith Anderson, uh, Keith Holcomb role, as opposed to, you know, the Rashawn Evans, Christian Miller type of mold. Uh, of course, the positions are almost interchangeable when you're talking about the four linebacker spots. At Alabama, Wills is one of the inside guys, usually obviously to the weak side um, of, of the formation, plays a little bit better in space, could match up one-on-one with a tight end or a fullback out of the backfield. I think that's where Davis could excel the most. But, again, you know, I'm going off the tape just like you are, so until I see him in person in a couple of days, I, I might have a different, completely different 
perspective on him. I know he does have a, a good frame, and he's got, what, 225 pounds that he's carrying right now. So depending on how he grows, you know, in the next year, he could be a traditional jack type that we're talking about, you know, 6'4", 250-plus pounds, which is, is not out of the realm, you know, realm of consideration. So interesting to see uh, how his body plays out. I know Auburn worked him out as a defensive end at their camp this summer, and that's where he clocked that 40 time. And probably the reason that Auburn is, is one of the few schools, you know, in the SEC and ACC that hasn't offered him a scholarship just yet. Uh, so we'll be interested to see him in person in pads where it really counts uh, to see where he might fit the best. But I think we could all agree that Alabama is in very, very good shape to pick up his commitment publicly, privately, however you want to put it at the end of the day. Obviously visited Tuscaloosa again this past weekend, which makes three straight trips. Um, on that 30-minute drive from Gordo High to Bryant-Denny Stadium. So the tide is in very good shape for uh, four-star Ben Davis. Uh, before I ask the next question, John, I have to share a story with you. Uh, his his dad, Ben's dad, Wayne, was indeed one of the hardest hitters to ever play at Alabama, but he was a quiet guy. He didn't do a lot of talking off the field. I say that to say this. John, many years ago, the North-South High School All-Star game still featured five stars. It wasn't just guys trying to get scholarships like it is now. It featured big names. And it was right. played at Bryant-Denny several renovations ago, but still Bryant-Denny. I will never forget standing on the sidelines of the North-South All-Star game, and the, the time was winding down, and the North had a commanding lead. And Wayne Davis, Ben's dad, was standing on the sidelines just a few feet from me talking to a guy named Cornelius Bennett who was going to be his future teammate, and he was musing at how playing that game that night against the South All-Stars was just a preview of years to come for them at Alabama, and they did have some pretty good years. Just wanted to share that tidbit before I forgot it. Now, the question, the big one of the big terms now in, in business and media is circling back. So I'm going to circle back to your uh, statement about the abundance of talent in the 2016 high school class of Alabama running backs. You mentioned one uh, who I'm going to see, Kingston Davis. Talk to us, John, about a couple of other guys, uh, a guy who has transferred from Arkansas back to Hamilton, who's a big old Miss target, uh, Denzel Mitchell, and a guy who I've had the pleasure of seeing play in person once and on television once, another Jalston Bauer type, a gentleman named Trey Nation at Leeds High School. Talk about those guys as prospects and as Alabama prospects. Yeah, um, Mitchell's an interesting one. You know, I've, I've talked about this before. You know, Alabama's got this deep running back class in 2016, the guys you've mentioned, Kingston Davis as well. Um, but they've only offered two guys in the class of 2016, both out of state. One, Kareem Walker, the number one running back on scout for 2016, five-star out of New Jersey. And the second is Tevin Feaster, four-star out of South Carolina, who's the number two running back in the country on scout.com. That's it. Those are the only running backs they've offered. So if you can correlate the offer sheet to the current situation, I think that's the most telling one because it, it pretty much illustrates that Alabama is really curious to see how this running back situation for 2015 plays out before they really make moves on, on the guys you've mentioned because they're such in-state talent and it's such a uh, critical position at Alabama. You know, think of a guy like T.J. Yeldon could leave early. I personally think Kenyon Drake should leave early after this season because his skill set is his skill set, and NFL scouts will, will love it. Um, so the, the running back position is going to be the lightning rod 
of, of recruiting over the next 18 months or so. So you could you could tell Alabama's being very stingy with that next scholarship offer it sends out. Um, but Mitchell could very well be the recipient of it once they do figure out how 2015 is going to play out. From Hamilton, Alabama originally trans, uh, ended up in Arkansas for a couple of years, played very well uh, high school over there, transferred back to Hamilton High and has lived up to the hype um, early this season. You know, he's a top 50 kid in the entire country on scout.com for 2016. Big back, you know, about 210-plus pounds or so. Um, can do a little bit of everything, sort of uh, um, closer to, I won't say he is a T.J. Yeldon type, but closer to that as opposed to a, a true power back or a true speed back, a balanced back who can do a little bit of everything. And, and like we said, he lived up to the hype thus far. I know Chad Simmons, who who uh, controls the rankings in the Southeast and, and truly goes out and sees you know, pretty much every kid on his list. He sees more kids than anybody, and it's not even close. He was very impressed in, in checking out uh, Mitchell, even at a practice a couple of weeks back. So his stock is certainly on the uh, ascent, even though he's already a top 50 guy in the country. So like you said, Ole Miss uh, is going to host him this coming weekend. Uh, and, and some people thought he would be already committed to Ole Miss. They sort of zeroed in on him very early in the process, sent out a scholarship offer, as has Arkansas, Mississippi State, several other schools with the exception of Alabama and Auburn. They have not pulled the trigger on him just yet, so no surprise that he's waiting on those in-state schools to truly take the next step in the recruiting process. You know, Tennessee just threw their name in the race with an offer in the last couple of weeks. So he's a guy who was originally going to take it uh, quickly and maybe jump on the Hugh Freeze bandwagon and commit, where, where now he's probably going to take it a little slower because he is taking up more scholarship offers, and Alabama and Auburn could be right around the corner as well. So Tide would be in very good shape should they offer a, a guy like Mitchell. But, of course, timing of it could be big, you know, depending on what happens this weekend at Ole Miss could be big. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, and then Trey Nation, you know, a lot has been said about this kid. He, he does everything for Leeds High School. He's a, another big back, 215 or so. And he's just exciting to watch, not because he's going to run for an 80-yard touchdown like Brock Thomas or some of these other guys, but because he's going to get eight or nine yards of pop and he's going to physically get those eight or nine yards every time he touches the football. Again, downhill guy, but he can play in space as well. Much better receiver than maybe his uh, game tape suggests. You know, he went out to the Birmingham Nike Combine uh, this spring and actually won running back MVP, and you do that with agility, playing in space, catching the ball out of the backfield, beating linebackers one-on-one. So before that event, if you would have told me Trey Nation was going to win this event, you know, showing those kind of skills, I would have laughed at you and said, okay, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and sure enough, he goes out and wins it. You know, him and John Broussard are the only juniors to win awards there, of course, Broussard, the four-star corner from Central Phoenix City. So Nation can do truly a little bit of everything and, and do those things very well. Uh, another one who has a great offer list already, Mississippi State's come in, Louisville's come in, UAB, uh, sort of the other schools on that, that similar level. But, again, the in-state schools are waiting to see what happens. It looks like you know, Bama and Auburn are really going to take their time in recruiting running backs for 2016, though I think Auburn has one committed at this point. Uh, so, again, Alabama would be in great shape for all of them. I mean, Nation is another one like Davis, who has visited three straight weeks. You know, I, I was texting with him, and I was like, man, like, what am I going to report on, on your visit? You know, We keep talking about the same thing. 
he just sends me a, a bunch of pictures, and in the picture, this him with Derrick Henry, him with Amari Cooper. I mean, the guy is all in at this point. He got, like, his phone signed by Derrick Henry. I mean, just because, I mean, it's so funny. Uh, he envisions himself as that kind of back, but the guy is, is really all in with Alabama, and if they offered, it would be a very big deal. His dad put him on to the Crimson Tide at a very early age, and no surprise, being from Leeds, you know, about an hour or so, or a little over an hour from Tuscaloosa. Uh, so I think Tide knows that. They know they would be in really really good shape. You know, they've talked about offering him uh, with him. They said, you know, kind of just keep doing what you're doing, which is what they're telling a lot of the running back prospects. And I, and I, I should uh, not fail to mention that if you consider Malik Miller a running back, he does have an Alabama offer. He's a running back, fullback, linebacker out of Madison Academy, of course, plays with Terry on Johnson. I don't consider him a, a running back, running back. So I still say Alabama's offer too, although he does have that verbal offer from the tie. I think and he would be a clear Jocelyn Fowler type of guy to bring in or potentially a linebacker if he so chooses. And Alabama sort of uh, allowing him to, you know, pick where he wants to be, do reiterate that they do want him on their commitment list at some point. And Nick Saban expressed that on Saturday before the game, one of the few 2016 guys he actually spoke to. So interesting there. Uh, so, again, Alabama really stingy with the running backs, but the crop in 2016 in-state is very good. And there's a sleeper that I want to put on your guys' radar. His name is Jordan Bentley from Gunnersville High School in Alabama. The kid yeah, I've, I've heard about him, John. I just moved to running back, and uh, he had, I think, 2,000 yards last year All-State in his first year playing running back. Small school, but, but the guy can play, and his tape is, is really good. Poor man's Rock Thomas is what I like to call him. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on evaluating him soon. I know you've been to see him. Uh, my, my parents live a short drive from Gunnersville High School. I, he's going to be on my list this year. Awesome. Let me know. <laughs> well, John, uh, we do want to thank you for giving us your time again tonight. We do plan on having you on minimum once a month. Uh, you're like family here on BAMS Radio. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Anytime, guys. I really do appreciate it. Right. Yes, thank you, John. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Very good stuff. That's John Garcia of Scout.com and BamaMag.com. You can go to those two websites and read his stuff. If you're a Bama fan and you're not following John Garcia, you're missing out on some good information, particularly his big Bama board that he updates on a daily basis this time of year. Now, uh, before we close the show, I have two pieces of uh, breaking news that I'm going to share, and they're not really football-related. First off, I want to give a shout-out to the Alabama volleyball team, which went on the road tonight and opened SEC play with a 3-1 to victory over Georgia in Athens. Alabama's now 1-0 in the league, 13-2 in the conference. But here's the big one, Thomas Watson. As a fellow graduate, you'll appreciate this. Thomas, your thoughts on this. The Crimson White is reporting that after 122 years of continuous publication, the UA Media Planning Board has decided to cease printing the UA yearbook, the Corolla. That, my friend, is big news. I saw your retweet about that from the CW account, and that's pretty shocking. And uh, I guess it's unfortunate. Not I guess. It is unfortunate. It's You're seeing a major spin down of most print media. I guess the question moving forward is, does the media planning board do some kind of digital yearbook, try and break new ground there? But it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I looked at multiple Corollas when I was on campus. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things, I suppose. Yeah. 
it, it, you know, it's it's not that shocking from the, the fact that a lot of things are getting away from print. But it's just one of those things that you always like to keep your college yearbook, man. Yeah. But and, and even if you do a digital one, that's just like a glorified PDF on your iPad or whatever. But it's just not the same to me. No, but I, I just agree with you. I'm just that. saying that's probably where, where they will go if they continue to do a yearbook-style format. I would think. And, 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 and my thought is, you know, what about those kids that have spent the first month compiling information for the yearbook that was going to come out, you know, in, in May of this year, next year? But I Maybe they are going to do it, Did just thought I'd share that. But anyway, it's been a jam-packed show. Um, it, it's been a wonderful show. We've had a lot of good callers. We've also had some uh, interesting guests with Blake Barnett, his mom, Gina Harris, and then this hour, John Garcia of scout.com and battlemag.com. Uh, but it is time to come to a close. And so uh, on behalf of our producer, Thomas Watts uh, of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and my co-host, Judy Armand of alabamaintel.com, I am Terry Clark from battlemag.com. Signing off on yet another edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.